It's Tuesday, November 9th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I am your host and editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, Marcelo Pico, here to introduce this episode of the Talk Film Society podcast, episode 97 of the podcast. And this is going to be a quick intro because it's a long episode. Uh, on, on this week's episode, I have three guests talking about two movies. Um, first off, I have Sarah Sorrentino. Uh, her and I discuss The French Dispatch and then Dune. And then the next segment, me and Manish Mathur talk Dune. And then the last segment, me and Matt Curion talk, you guessed it, Dune. Yes, it's a long one. Um, so, enough of me, really. I just have like two things to say. Uh, go to... Patreon, our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. Support us there. If you enjoy what we do, not just this podcast, but other podcasts on the network, Igniting the Spark, uh, Monsters Never Die, uh, Have a Nice Apocalypse, uh, Steven Destroy, those are the live uh, podcasts now on the network. Um, so support us there. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, and also, hey, my recommendation. Hey, I rewatched The Irishman. That's a great movie. That's all I'll say about that. Um, I uh, well, okay, real quick. I did see Come On, Come On, the the new uh, Mike Mills movie. Excellent. I also saw Red Rocket, the new Sean Baker movie. Excellent. And I might talk more about those movies uh, in the future and future episodes. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I told myself I'd, I'd keep this short, but I just gave you three recommendations there because that's been the running bit, the running feature in these intros is me recommending movies. Uh, but there you have three: Irishman, Come On, Come On, and Red Rocket. Um, Irishman now streaming on Netflix, and also the Criterion release is excellent. And Come On, Come On, and Red Rocket are coming out soon in the next few weeks. But I, I saw those recently. But yeah, that's that. That's enough of me. Um, with these segments, I recorded them all um, this past Sunday. Uh, sort of staggered them, uh, kind of. Um, I started with Sarah early, and then uh, right after that, Manish jumped on the line. And then at the tail end of his conversation, uh, Matt Curion jumps in. Um, so yeah, so 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 be ready for two hours of nothing but movie talk. Uh, French Dispatch and Dune spoilers about. Um, and that's it. Uh, I kept this pretty short, relatively. So please enjoy this very special episode where first I talk with Sarah about French Dispatch, then we talk Dune, then I talk to Manish, and then Matt Curion about Dune. It's the Dune Fever special, uh, plus French Dispatch. So please enjoy. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? It's going. Oh, it's going. Um, <laughs> great. Oh, it was great. I love Fun. giving you nothing. <laughs> I love I love just answering and giving you absolutely nothing. It's uh, my most fun. So I, I always do this with every person I talk to. I like to give a little backstory. Uh, we were originally going to have like a group chat over, uh, uh, you know, talking about Dune, because it's Dune Fever. Uh, but you texted me saying you're very sleepy on a Sunday evening, sleepy. and uh, this is an emergency recording. We're recording early. It's 7 p.m. It was 7 p.m. 
Central Time, uh-huh. and I messaged you, I am sleepy, because I was. And you want to know what else? My boyfriend had to remind me twice today that I was recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you messaged me earlier the first, in the day, just to make sure. That was the first time that he reminded me, and I said, oh, shit, I am. <laughs> and then and then at, uh, right at 7, he's like, yeah, I guess you got another hour, you can play Animal Crossing before the podcast. I was like, what podcast? <laughs> And then I had to write uh, you and be like, I'm sleepy. I just want to warn you, I'm not going to stay up until 8 p.m. Okay, okay. I to, to, to defend myself, you know, time went back an hour. Yeah, it's daylight savings. So really, it's 8 p.m. It's almost 8.30 right now. I'm in bed by 8. Yeah, so it it, it, it worked out, okay, for, for people. Today was the longest day of my life. For people <laughs> like in Kansas who don't turn back the clocks or anything, it's, it's, it, it's, it's like that. Actually, I don't know where they don't turn back the clocks. I just said Kansas. I think it's Arizona. Arizona. I don't know why you said Kansas. Anyway. I thought you knew something I didn't know. I don't know. There, I know there's a few places in America where they don't do it, and I threw out Kansas out there like I was an expert, but that was just a wild guess. Um, but anyway, yep. movies. Um, why don't we start with one movie, then we'll talk about, talk about another movie, and then uh, we'll put you to Wait. bed, Sarah. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Remember last time we were on like a really long podcast and I said, I'm not going to movie theaters anymore. I was kind of like, ah, I don't even care about, I don't miss them. Yeah. Whatever. I, I forget what show that was for, but, uh, I feel what? like it was, um, my favorite movies or something like that. Oh yeah. Where I went to your house and we recorded, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think there was like one uh, other time after that we talked to, but anyway, um, it was around then a few months ago that you said, nope. Movie theaters, no more. But what happened? What happened since then, Sarah? I'm back. You're back, I'm back baby. In. <laughs> I'm back. Well, uh, Hit me up with the which movie one, theaters. I, which yeah. one was the first for you to, to to make you say, hey, I'm back? I went to go see Green Knight. Oh, that's right. Green Knight. I went to go see Green Knight. I went to a brand new theater I hadn't been to before. Oh, that's right. That's the one um, we talked about. We, you, you were on the Green mm-hmm. Knight episode. So, yeah, that was your... Your return yep. to cinemas, but I wasn't nice. sure if I was going to keep going. You know, what I mean? see, because yeah. I didn't go again. You left it up in the air. French Dispatch. Ah, okay. So there we go, and that takes us to French Dispatch. That's the first one I want to talk yes. to you about. Well, uh, okay. So Green Knight, now French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. How do you feel so mm-hmm. far? We're going back to the movie. So what's what's the experience like for you, sir? Um, it's okay, but but uh, it's getting better. The cases are are not as bad in Austin, so I feel comfortable. Yeah. But do I miss being around people while watching the same no. movie? Not really. No. <laughs> I uh, uh, I lived through the golden age of going to movies because there was like um, not many people were showing up. Mm-hmm. There were um, those those spaces in between people, mandatory spaces. Yeah. But now, in the last week or so, they stopped doing that at at our local cinemas, and yep. uh, I saw Eternals in a packed house, elbow to elbow with people, and that was weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. Neither of the ones, none of the ones I've gone to, I have I been like right next to people. Yeah. It- oh no! Wait, wait, wait! French Dispatch. People showed up late and they sat next to me. Yeah. Oh no! And you have to eat at those theaters. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it was. Um, it could have been worse. French Dispatch was packed up. Yeah. It, yeah. I. I. I think we went to the same theater to see the French Dispatch, but different show times, if I remember correctly. It was like a Saturday. We could say it. You went to South Lamar? I went to South Lamar, yeah. What, 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 yeah, me too. What time did you go? I went at a weird time, I think. I think I went to like a two or three o'clock. Yeah, I, I think I went to four. On a weekend? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, we were trying to get tickets for Dune while we uh, were at yes. that theater. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, not to jump to Dune already. We'll talk about that in a bit. But did you see that in a theater, Dune? Yes, I did. You did see it. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let me tell you my quick experience of seeing French Dispatch in a theater. Um, I okay. saw it with a friend who ended yeah. up hating French Dispatch, right? Um, which, yeah. is, which is fair. Which is fair. I liked it a lot. Fair. Um, and But in the theater we, we were at, South Lamar, uh, Draft House, like 4 p.m., it was packed for the most part. Mm-hmm. It was a full house. I mean, it's it's Austin. It's the Draft House. It's a Wes Anderson movie. Of course it's going to be. It's the only place playing it, really. Yeah. Um, I, I and And it was opening weekend for, for French Dispatch, and of course it was packed. The crowd loved the movie. There's a lot of reactions. Um, it was interesting to see a movie um, with those people um, and them yeah. really appreciating, maybe appreciating it too much, maybe laughing way too much at it, and then yeah. coming out of it with that energy of like, "Yo, that was a good screening. That was a good movie." And then the person I went with just said, "That was total shit." That's <laughs> 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 fair. It's fair. Um, was was that the same for you, Sarah? Was like that energy good in that theater uh, screening you went to? Yeah, everyone was laughing. I laughed a lot too. Yeah. Um, it was I was probably one of his funniest. I think. Yeah. Like just actual like jokes, and like the delivery was very comedic. Whereas sometimes it's just kind of like I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't have a lot of. I overall, it's so much like Wes Anderson, like isms it's probably the most like wes anderson wes anderson film i've ever seen (laughs) uh and and it was hard to keep up so even i walked out while laughing i still walked out confused by a lot of plot points because i could not keep up yeah yeah and my i think my boyfriend felt the same and i don't think he liked it as much as (laughs) i did Um, but i wouldn't say i loved it though i probably liked it less than you Oh, okay, okay. Uh, why don't we talk about Wes Anderson for a bit? Uh, how do you feel about th- uh, his work, him as a as a director, before walking at French Dispatch? Are you, are you a huge fan of Wes Anderson? Not a huge fan, but I like him. Yeah, yeah. I I really like um, I like like the major ones like Steve Zissou, 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 Zissou. Yeah, uh, I like that. I like when Angelica Huston shows up. Houston. So that was Houston. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's late. I like when she shows up to his movies, and she wasn't in this one. So that's uh, kind of bummer. That's well. Uh, the 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 uh, Owen Wilson was there, or should I say Owen Wilson? Uh, he he <laughs> showed up. Um, uh, yeah, I I I. It's weird for me to say, but I like Wes Anderson a lot. Um, I yeah. I never got bogged down by that whole he's too cute for his own good he's too no i don't i don't i don't get into the like the fights right the auteur theory like stylized fights i don't really give a shit but for me like i haven't liked his last few movies Ah. i'm not i haven't like i i don't i didn't like isle of dogs at all yeah I, i think i think i think we i think a lot of people agree with that i don't like isle of dogs and yeah yeah, i didn't like isle of dogs i thought it was really weird and then um, I really like, and this is like a problematic fave. I really like Darjeeling Limited. So do I. So do I. I always have. I understand why people don't like it. 
Um, it's like the worst for Wes Anderson too, because he always wants to like put his stuff with like surrounded by people of color, but never right. about them. Right. Um, but I really liked that movie when I was younger, especially because I don't know, I felt like it had a good message for me. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that one's my favorite of his. I gotcha. Yeah. Just story wise, and like the characters, and like the setting, and like the train, and yeah, I thought that was a really neat one. And then um, Budapest is really good, right? That's the name. That yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your 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 past. I own. Yeah. Thank you. I think I only own. I don't even own Darjeeling Limited. Oh. Really. It's it's uh I, it has a nice shiny mm-hmm. Criterion. You should pick that up. Um, in, in I actually don't like the Criterion covers of any of his. Oh, oh uh, I get on it. Criterion for some reason. They're the arts. Uh, very very similar with all the covers, but I can see you not liking the art. This is a tangent I don't think we have time for. But do you really consider the Criterion covers to be like a buying point, Sarah? Yes, a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm not going to spend the extra money. If I don't think the cover is really pretty, that's interesting. I'm a, oh, I'm a comic book collector, and I only buy comic books based off covers. It's the same thing, huh? I've just I, I yeah. Um, so certain ones like I there's ones that I really would like from Criterion that I haven't bought because I think the cover sucks. Oh, this could be a whole other conversation, which we'll save for later. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll quickly say. Like, for me, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox and, like, Grand Budapest are, like, up top for me. And mm-hmm. he's one whose movies I tend to like in the long run. Like, everyone, uh, almost everyone, not Isle of Dogs. Because Isle of Dogs is one I've, I've seen only once and I haven't rewatched. But chances are, if I ever rewatch it, I'll like it a bit more. Because that's what happened with, like, Moonrise Kingdom, Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like Moonrise Kingdom either. Yeah, I, I didn't like it the first time. But then I saw it again. I was like, oh, you know, it's it's good. You know, not as bad as <laughs> I initially thought. So, and, and that's happened with like more than one of his movies for me. Um, but luckily, hey, French Dispatch, first time watching it, I loved it. Um, so I think I don't want to go through the entire plot of French Dispatch. I just quickly mm-hmm. say it's about this, uh, 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 you know, uh, New Yorker inspired fictional. Um, a, a magazine uh, where this entire movie is basically the last issue of this of this magazine, and um, uh, each it's it's an anthology film for the most part because uh, each mm-hmm. e- there's like three main stories. There's like a mini story to begin with too, and the overarching um, uh, thing that's happening is like you see the editor in chief of the magazine played by Bill Murray. Uh, you know, talk with these writers as they turn in these stories. And that's it. That's French Dispatch. Um, so, um, you like this movie, right, Sarah? Yeah, I want to rank each story. Okay, let's do that. Okay, so, uh, of, so uh, each story. So, that's including the like preface mini story in the beginning. Yes, I have the names here. So, the first one is The Cycling yep. Reporter. Uh, with Cycling Owen Porter. Yes. And what's the second one? Uh, second one is the concrete masterpiece with ben, uh, Benicio del Toro. Yep, yep. And then what's the third? Revisions to a manifesto with uh, that, oh yeah that imp Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that the, really this episode is just the Timothy Chalamet double yeah, feature. Yeah, it tur- turns out to be. And then the last one is the private dining room of the police commissioner with Jeffrey Wright. Okay, which one is your favorite? Ooh, I'll say. 
if I, uh, yeah, th- this was tough because it's between. Let's keep Owen Wilson's out. Okay, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, because it's not a full like part of it. That so, is good. I really liked that. I though. did like that. I one. thought it was really good. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. hard because like those three are really like the the heart of the movie. Is those three? Yeah, right. I'll have to give the edge to Private Dining Room of the Police Commissioner as one. Although Concrete, really? Ma- Concrete Masterpiece is a close second for me. It, it, Concrete Masterpiece, if you, if you asked me like a week ago, I'd say that one might be one. But for some, mm-hmm. for, for, for a lot of reasons, I think the, the last one with Jeffrey Wright really sticks with me. It's, it's like, I think it's See, the most emotional of the three for me. I think Jeffrey Wright was really good and it is the most emotional. However, it loses me with a lot of things that happened during it. Yeah. I did not care about that little kid. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I really wish it just stuck to Wright and uh, Steve, Steve Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If but- it did, like, that was the most poignant. However, Benicio Del Toro was so good yeah. to me. Yeah. That that first one, like, oh, there's and uh, what's his name? Adrian Brody in it, too. Uh, he was great, and Lea Sado. Lea Sado, yeah. It, 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 I thought it was the best. It it's was beautiful. A, it's kind of it's kind of a tie for me between those two, because I, yeah. I'll say like yes, the third one with Jeffrey Wright has its like issues, but I think there's things said in that one um, it, that basically boils down why I love this movie, um, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this movie because um, the the main characters of each one. Or just sad, lonely writers, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Wright's character basically lays it out and says he loves covering what he likes to cover because, like, he doesn't see any way uh, other than that you know to enjoy life, and that resonated with me. And and I think overall you can say that about all the stories in this, but he f- says he says it like to camera basically. And uh, yeah. I I love Jeffrey Wright too. I think he's having a moment. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but that's that's the thing that's happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's it's that third one that ha- that really just gave it its emotional ump for me. Uh, not to say Let's, that like you know each one yeah. didn't you know get me a little bit emotional, but yeah, I'll just say that. I'll I'll tell you that the Fram- Francis McDormand and Timothy Chalamet one didn't get me emotional. I didn't feel anything. Not to spoil it, but <laughs> not, not not to spoil it, but the very end of the story got me a tiny bit one. Oh, and and it, that one also has that like. Um, a moment where it, it it turns into a stage play, right? That's the one. Right? Oh, hey. Oh, wait a sec. I have to disclose something. What's up? I, t- I took a pee break. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. When when did you take the pee break? I took the pee break as soon as Frances McDormand is talking to the little French girl and saying, uh, you're so smart. Yeah. And then I came back and Jeffrey Wright was starting up. Uh, so so I missed. actually missed the end of it, so I can't say ah. it, it, that's a that's an asterisk for me. See, okay, um, there's that. St- I'll say I was very bored up until that point, and that's why I decided to take the pee that's, break because I didn't really care that much. That's fair, but um, I will say the end of the Francis McDormand one, it's it it really it does something, and I don't know if you know how it ends, but I can tell you off mic, but the ending of that is really supposed to make you feel something. <laughs> and I think for the most mm-hmm. part, it succeeds. Um, although it's pulling I'll out. watch it again yeah. and actually give it a better shot. Yeah. I, but I will say that the other two stories clicked for me a lot faster. The, uh, this is one reason I like anthology films so much. 
Um, and there aren't many that like are non-horror <laughs> that I love, actually. Yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but sort of like the placement of stories in, in, a, in, an, in, in an anthology film. I can't say that, but that's what I said. Uh, the placing Hard. of them uh, yeah. within the movie is interesting to me. Like you, Like the middle stories the middle chapters of these are never the strongest ones i think that's purposeful and i think we can agree that the francis mcdermott one not the strongest one but i'm glad it's in there though because it, it has some good moments i think mm-hmm. um but it is the weakest one um yes Do, so you say you would say that uh the jeffrey wright part the last part was the most you know emotionally poignant for you i think so yeah when but you- the, it, it, and but there are again I love this movie because it's about sad people <laughs> and and how they like just uh, try to celebrate life. I think that the, I, the, the last one with Jeffrey Wright really, as, really nailed it home for me. Go ahead, sir. I, t- I took it as not just sad people, but like creative people. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, this is a film about artists and creatives. And Bill Murray's character is the one that's like holding them all together and giving them that place. Yeah, and maybe you can talk about this as an editor in chief, Sarah, as as you are currently. But uh, it, mm-hmm. it 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 truly, you know, sh- uh, must have spoken to you as somebody who, like Bill Murray's character in this, like brings voices together and and gives them a platform. And um, uh, uh, well, Marcella, why didn't it speak to you? You're also an editor in chief. <laughs> I didn't. I, did, I didn't want to say it myself. This but. is like a psychological like thing. Like if you if you relate closer to write, it's because you're the you relate more as a writer. But for me, I I'm not. A, I don't feel like a writer or a creative. But I felt like, oh wow, this is so. I really like. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, I don't think it makes it my favorite movie, but like it was really cool to see. Bill Murray's character, the way he was and the way he interacted with his writers and uh, the way that they treated him that in return. Yeah. I thought that was so cool because that's like I think that's all an editor wants or like a, a someone who runs something like this wants. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it you know, uh, uh, <laughs> right right away, sir. I I, I, I wanted to <laughs> sl- slowly get there. But yeah, I, I mean, and I'd also say not as much these days running talk from society, but early on, like five years ago when we all started this, like, yeah, I felt that energy. Um, cause this movie right away, it, it, <laughs> it throws these jokes at you that I, I found funny. I'm sure you found funny about like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the links, the articles, you know, grammar, all this stuff right away. I'm like, I was in, and then having that through line of like, uh, Bill Murray. And th- that's another reason why I think that Jeffrey Wright, story kind of hit me too because like there's more Bill Murray in that story than the other stories because he's, he's yeah, a big part true. of that yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah I found that beautiful the way that not only as a creatives you know have voices and like um, you, you get a glimpse of like why they do the things they do but also people who you know uh, uh, bring that all together and like have a voice uh, in their own way, not necessarily a writer, but a voice in like let's 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 combine these voices and let let's have this whole thing play out in a way that only like an editor in chief can like he, he his voice is clear because he brings together these other voices. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that makes sense to you, right, Sarah? No, absolutely. I mean, this is the only film where I've ever seen an aspirational editor in chief that I was excited 
to be like yeah you know what i mean like you never see that all i think of is like jay jameson (laughs) (laughs) jay jonah jameson (laughs) jay jonah jameson screaming and just like throwing things that's who i've got but but yeah to base my whole career off of but up until this point do you want to be you know a jay jonah jameson i don't know um I think a younger me would have wanted to be a J. Jonah Jameson. Now I don't want to be him. But I mean, but I mean, nowadays <laughs> I don't want to scream at Spider Man. I'm okay. <laughs> nowadays, uh, uh, the current media have turned him into like a right wing podcaster, which is not. Yeah, um, we've know. only seen a touch of that. that that's going to be interesting. But let's okay, stay on anyway, topic. Stay, stay on topic. topic. Stay on topic. Let's movie. French good. Dispatch, not movie, great. Good. I mean, yeah, okay. I I liked it a lot. Um, this is going to place in my top ten assuredly i think i don't know it's it's um, i don't who knows if i'll see 10 films this, coming out this year <laughs> at this rate i've only seen three and it we're a month away from the end of the year so probably not gonna it's probably top 10 for me too marcel you're right oh nice nice good job so any any last words on french dispatch uh, before we move on to some dune talk it is not an intro to wes anderson don't watch that, that first true. if you've never seen a wes anderson film uh, what would you say is a good intro film? Oh, probably. Um, oh, I know which one. It's uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that's the one I was gonna say. Royal Tenenbaums. Ro- yeah. Royal Tenenbaums is perfect intro. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, at this point, and of course things change as like the years go on, but like you, you can see Wes Anderson is like his early work versus like his later work. He kind of split it in half, um, and like his early work. Royal Tenenbaums is like that's the encapsulation of like what he is perfectly as a filmmaker. Um, Rushmore kind of, but like West, uh, but uh, Royal Tenenbaums is like where he solidifies that. Um, and then for me, like in the second half of his career, like Grand Budapest Hotel reaches that height. But that's just me talking. But for sure, like Royal Tenenbaums is up there. And if you're not on board with Royal Tenenbaums or Grand Budapest, then I don't know if you're gonna like French Dispatch. Yeah, yeah. don't keep going. Please yeah, stop. Yeah, and stop. For your own then, sake. He's not for you. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's not for you. Get out of there, bro. Yeah, okay, next movie. Come on, I'm okay, falling asleep. On. We gotta go. All right, I got I got a few more minutes with Sarah. <laughs> uh, Dune. Talk about Dune. seeing Dune. Okay, I, I I I've mentioned this on other podcasts. Or sorry, yeah. another podcast. I don't have that many. Um, Dune fever has hit. Right. Dune. Uh, I, I, I quickly say I saw Dune opening night. I wasn't as impressed as, as other people were. Okay. I was like, you know what? Maybe this is not for me. Uh, then I saw it later. I saw it a few days later. I was trying to get into that. Yeah. A huge IMAX screen at Bob Bullock here in Austin, which if yeah. you don't know, the Bob Bullock offers like laser IMAX. It's on a real sized IMAX screen. But all Good the showtimes, all the showtimes here in Austin for its two-week run were sold out. So yep. Dune Fever hit Austin. I went to a, a smaller IMAX screen at an AMC, uh, and that Tuesday night screening was packed. It was like Avengers Endgame level packed with people. I was, Mine wasn't packed. I was shocked. But talk about your experience watching Dune. Okay, first of all, have you ever read the book? I have not read the book. Although I know you know somebody who's read the book, right? Yeah, I'm dating him. I haven't <laughs> read the book. I won't be reading that book. Um, okay, when's the first time you saw the Lynch Dune? Is that, I saw it actually for the first time a few weeks ago. They actually played it uh, here. Uh, you only saw it a few weeks ago? The Lynch Dune, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I watched it sometime during this quarantine hell, but I don't remember exactly when. 
me and Sean watched it for the first time. Sean is my boyfriend's name. Ah, uh, big reveal. Listeners. Yeah. Big reveal. Uh, and then he bought Dune and he read the whole thing. Now, listen, he read up until he, he read halfway through and I asked him, what part were you at? And he said, I'm at the part where they're standing on a rock, him and his mom and the Dune worm is looking at him. Ah. I was like, that's perfect. That's like basically the end of this movie. You're going to make it. You're going to be fine. I knew that that was the end of the movie because I, I looked at the promo scenes and I was like, they're not going to go past that. Like I just innately knew that was going to basically be the end. He read a little bit past that. So he was reg perfect to where this movie ends. Um, And uh, so I only know the Lynch film and whatever TikTok I watched where they explain (laughs) certain things to me. I watched maybe three TikToks that were like, Hey, this is what's going on in Dune in five seconds. It's like this. And Oh, I watched the, um, the spark notes. Uh, Uh, (laughs) That's, that's funny. Uh, Yeah. I, I, it's called thug notes, thug notes on YouTube. There you go. Uh, nice, (laughs) nice plug for them. I, the Lynch Dune was like the only Lynch blind spot I had. I don't know why I waited so long, although I'm glad I waited because they did show it in a theater like a month before New Dune. And I've only seen like three Lynch, Lynch things. I've only seen Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me, uh, then I saw Dune, and then I saw Mulholland Drive. Uh, That's all I've seen. What'd you think oh, of- Elephant Man. Oh, I, of course, Elephant Man. Uh, what'd you think of Lynch Dune, real quick? I like it, but yeah. it's it's very of its time. Yeah, exactly. That's all it's of its time. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't feel like him all that much. Yeah, yeah. There, there are bits and parts where you do feel, oh, that's kind of, you know, a, a precursor. Wait, did he make it before Blue Velvet? I forget. Anyway, like I don't there's know. there's moments where you see like that lynchness come through, uh, especially with that floating giant blob and the the whole like. Oh visions. yeah, giant blob. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I liked it. Not a lot, but I liked it I well liked enough. It. And it, yeah. I, th- I think my like of that movie influenced um, the new Dune because I thought, well, uh, just to make this brief, like in the new Dune, I, 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 I like first time watching it, I went, well, there are scenes in this new Dune that could have been shorter. And I think Lynch's Dune kind of works better at times because it's so condensed and it gets the point across like uh, quicker. Um, th- th- that was what I brought into the new Dune. That's why first time watching it, I'm like, eh, do I like this? But then eventually, I saw it again, and I did eventually see it on the bubble like IMAX. I got into a screening. I don't know how I, I got into the screening, but it said it was sold out like a day before. Then I checked again, and I got a ticket. And by that point, that was my third time seeing it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a huge fan now. I, I get it. I get new Dune. Um, so Sarah, new Dune. How do you feel about this? Or should I say Dune Part One? Your thoughts on Dune? Part I. One? This has certified me as a Dennis super fan. I am in love with him. Um, I, I, I love when they let him play with spaceships. Um, yes. It makes me happy. Uh, I, I really, really, really like Dune. I wanted it to be a very beautiful, sweeping sci-fi, and it was, and it, and it was perfect for me. I don't know everything that happens in that movie, but I had enough context to keep up. And yeah, I mean, you already know I'm a massive fan of Arrival. Yeah. Um, loved Blade Runner 2049. Oh yeah, yeah. So this was like, get it was it it was perfect to give this to him. I think 
and I have no complaints of where it ended. Uh, I I don't even complain about the pacing. It's long, but it's it's so pretty and like nice, and it was really fun to see in the theater. Oh yeah, I liked it a lot. Any complaints about like too much exposition? I didn't feel that way. I felt like it explained what I needed to understand. I love the action. Um, Timothy Chalamet is moody and grumpy, and that's not something you. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's great. He's. I'm not a super fan. I don't think he's that hot either. Sorry, but but he did something that was not in Lynch's Dune. They didn't give him any personality because, like, '80s or whatever year it was when that was made. Like, they were just trying. What's the actor's name? Kyle what's his name? Kyle. He wasn't given much there. Yeah. You know, he was just a dude being the chosen one. And I just felt like there was a lot more, like, personality and, like, moodiness given to this Paul. Yeah. Paul, uh, Timothy Chalamet as Paul. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was cool. I really re- will rave about this. I genuinely liked it. My boyfriend loved it. He had some complaints about, like, some changes that were made, but I still uh-huh. think they were. it was really good. And I think it made the right decisions. If only we could have him on the show, but he refuses to be. He said no. He said no. He doesn't care about this. He said no podcast for me. He's even had a podcast. He has a whole setup. He said he just doesn't want to come on. Well, next time I see him in person, I'm going <laughs> to confront him and ask him what he. Yeah, he'll just look down at you and be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Look down at me." Got it. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't confront my tall boy. <laughs> um, um, you know, uh, one thing I'll say is like the the one thing I. And this happens to me sometimes. I mean, I'm not a perfect movie watcher, and I'll admit, like, movies don't hit me like uh, uh, perfectly the first time. Like, it, it takes me more than one watch to fully get something. I admit that. Mm. You know, I could be a dummy mm-hmm. for that reason. Um, but like, Paul's arc in the movie didn't get me that first time. After seeing it again, I I got it. Uh, and if you know, I always knew they were going to greenlight part two. Like that was that was a given, right? How could they not? But if for, but if for some reason this completely bombed, and I, I don't know what circumstances could have you know made this happen. How could it? How did it not bomb? His I, other, see, I don't know. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is a fucking masterpiece, and that shit bombed. I th- I think uh, it's because it's such a one of those four quadrant movies where you get the nerds, you get the Zendaya fans, you get like, uh, <laughs> you know, the Josh Brolin heads. Of course, they're going to come out to see his movie. Um, the Aquaman DC fans. Aquaman, Batista, his fans. It, there's so many, the cast is amazing. And also just the, you know, Dune, the, the property itself. I know there are a bunch of, you know, uh, old timey Dune heads and maybe the younger generation have, has grasped onto Dune. And It's really lofty though. I would say this is, it was as hard of a sell as 2049 was, but somehow it, I think honestly, the it's because of the pandemic. People yeah. wanted to see a big ass movie in theaters so bad. Yeah, and they decided to go for this one. Yeah, uh, and I'll just, just to wrap up a point I was trying to make earlier, but like Paul's arc, I fully got the second time and even a third time watching it. Like, and if it were to end there, and if we didn't have a part two, I would have been okay because at least like at the end of this movie, like he t- he accomplishes he accomplishes something that his dad wanted, like you know, going to that planet and like befriending you know that that tribe. And I felt like that arc was like strong enough to warrant a part one because that, that's that's a problem I had was, uh, was like why not make this into 
just a whole movie, just part one and two together. But I think it works as a part one. So six hours long. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, why not? It, you know, and I hope they re-release this part one in time for part two. Uh, because even now, like we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and uh, I imagine like uh, just more and more people are going to end up watching this at home, and they're going to want to see this on the big screen uh, mm-hmm. uh, later on. They already released more tickets, uh, so yeah. uh, I mean, you know, but I bought tickets to see it on IMAX for December because they re-release it because it was That's selling right. so well. Yeah, here in Austin, yeah, they they had those sold out shows at the big IMAX screen, and yeah, they added a second run, which is amazing. Like I, I've never seen that before. Uh, mm-hmm. which is wild that a movie and I'm sure it's happening around other cities, but here in Austin, I know it's like, it's Dune fever. Um, okay. So Dune I, fever. yeah, I know we're gonna talk more about this on this episode, but Sarah, I know you have to go to bed soon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm so tired, dude. You have no idea. Oh my God. <laughs> do, you, do you have any final Dune thoughts as we wrap up this segment? Dune is tied with green Knight for me right now. Wow. So, I really love Green Knight. Yeah. But there's problems with Green Knight that I still haven't kind of gotten over. Just like confusion and like what's going on with this movie and stuff like that. Um, Dune was a little stronger for me. But, you know, Dev, Dev Patel evens it all out. So that's why it's tied. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I can only guess. So your number one is tied Green Knight, Dune, and the number two. No, those, that's tied for my number two. Oh, wait. My number one is. No, <laughs> What's it called again? The, the Mitchells. Oh, uh, do you yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitchells versus the machines, or something like that. I, I think Mitchells versus the machines is my number one. It was so good. I still have not seen that. Surprisingly, I, please I, watch it. I, I will watch it's it. Really good. It's, it's on my it's list. It's very funny. It's it's obvious. It's very obvious that it's from the same people that made it. Uh, um, into the Spider-Verse. Like, yeah. it's that style, that Sony animation style that now it now has. I keep hearing it's, it's really great. funny. I, it was I, great. I will watch it. I will watch it. On your on your recommendation alone, Sarah, I'll watch it. Um, all right. Bedtime for Sarah. Before we go... Bedtime. Plugs. Where can the people listening find you online? Mm, what do I do? <laughs> your editor-in-chief uh, of... Um, editor-in-chief of FilmCred yes. at FilmCred. Uh, that's cool. Uh, our next zine is going to be December zine. What does that mean? December. Like it's cold. Oh, like nice our, our zine is, is cold. So it's all about cold movies. Um, I wasted that. I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, you can also find me at, at Sarah Sorrentino on Twitter. I'm trying to hit 2k before my next birthday. When is so. your birthday? March, so I think I have to. I think I could do it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've got faith in you. Um, I got two. I need to make one good meme, and I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the last time I went viral, I maybe got two followers, even though I, I got like 60k likes. So maybe I'm just not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, uh, b- before we go, uh, sequels that 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 might make a comeback soon, right, sir? I was gonna say it. I was gonna say it. I yeah, we are. We are. We are talking, and we are planning to record an episode this week. Ooh, as of this recording. So, yes, sometimes... As so. of this recording. You know what? Do you want to know what the episode's on? Um, I'll say sure, but I'll warn you, last time somebody made the promise of what an episode is, it did not happen. Mm-hmm. But you can go ahead. What was that? What, what movie was it? 
Uh, I mean, I can say it because I'm releasing their episode today. Um, Matt Curion promised that. Like, oh, not me! It was Matt Curion. No, it wasn't you. No, no, promised. I'm just I saying. You're saying I. No, 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 no. I uh, let me clarify. Matt Curion a few episodes ago said this is what the next episode of Monsters Never Die is going to be, and it did not turn out to be that. <laughs> so I just say people okay. have made promises, but if you want to, you want to make a promise on the show. If you want to put an, an exclusive out there, Sarah, the floor is yours. Yeah, Lion King one and a half. Whoa. Wow. Uh, Sequels heads, look out. That's coming up. (laughs) All six of you, get ready. (laughs) All right, Sarah. Uh, I got Manish on the other line. I'm going to bring him in. So, Sarah, nice talking to you. Oh, yeah. Let me out of here. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Hello, Manish. How's it going? Hey, doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. So good. Uh, I just finished talking with Sarah Sorrentino. Uh, she had to dip out because she was sleepy. Um, that's what happened in the first segment. But now we're continuing the Dune talk on this episode. Uh, Manish, you're joining me for more Dune talk. Uh, I was just saying with Sarah, and we're just going to dive into it. I mean, come on. This is, this is how the show works now. Um, yeah, uh, uh, and I I, I want to get your oh first let me ask you because I don't know this actually did you end up seeing Dune in, in a theater Manish? Yeah, I saw it twice in the theater. Oh, nice because like that that was one thing Sarah and I talked about um, is and, and you can talk about this too because uh, I'm interested um, in the theatrical experience of Dune because uh, here in Austin uh, I was saying earlier uh, we were hit with Dune fever. Um, yeah, the, the opening night was as packed as you you'd expect for like any like big blockbuster. But then uh, I saw it again on like a Tuesday, and I was saying earlier it was like Avengers Endgame yeah. level packed yeah. at my local AMC for Dune, and the IMAX screenings were sold out for two weeks, and they had a uh, 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 add a second run for Dune here in Austin, so. Yeah, uh, people love Dune. So, w- w- was that energy there for for your screenings, uh, Manish? Like, is, is Dune? Yeah, is Dune, I mean, is Dune fever it... hitting nationwide. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it is. Um, I saw it on a Thursday night, like the Thursday after, like a week after it came out, and then that following Tuesday, so that be ten days after it came out, and um, it was packed both times. Like, I had to sit in like the fifth and sixth row. Um, off to the side for both. Um, granted, like it was the IMAX screening, so I, I figured that would be more um, busy than maybe a regular two D showing or like a regular like non IMAX. Um, but I, it felt there was this like energy um, for for the movie that I really haven't experienced in a long time. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, I guess the closest would be Avengers Endgame, because even Rise of Skywalker didn't have this level of, like, buzz. And, like, I don't just, I don't just mean hype, but I think, that, like, people were, like, buzzing on the way out, you know, and just kind yeah. of, like, really excited about it. And, um, you know, both times, like, there was just a lot of excitement in the theater beforehand, and you could just, like, feel it sometimes. Like, I went by myself both times. Um... But you could just feel that energy, and I think the first time, like, someone was clapping when the um, when the logo came up, the Warner Brothers logo came up. <laughs> um, like they just started clapping randomly. It didn't really catch on to like full applause, but wow, 
Yeah, it was definitely like I think this movie. I mean, the box office numbers speak for themselves. I think this movie is like a genuine like hit. Yeah, I I I don't know about you, Manish, but like um, as soon as I got vaccinated earlier this year, like I've been hitting the theater almost nonstop. Maybe maybe too, yeah. maybe excessively, I should say. In, in, uh, yeah. For me. Um, but you know, this is like the the first time that I felt like people were were out and excited and yeah like you're saying it's pretty much avengers level blockbuster that i haven't seen in a while like the, the closest i would say um uh, a movie came to to this level was maybe no time to die because <laughs> like uh, funnily enough like somebody clapped at the beginning of that movie too like some yeah, screaming yeah. of of dune but uh, but but even but even then like at the end of that movie there was like no like uh, you know uh, it's not talked about too much about No Time to Die, but I do love that movie. But you know, it wasn't like a huge like crowd pleaser. Um, like that, that energy wasn't there as like at the end of like a Dune screening, which I felt like I like that. I, I was like walking out of the theater, like similar to you. I felt people were like talking about it. They were into it. It's it's surprising surprising to me that Dune of all movies is like one. That really brought back that experience, and I mean, I, I'm happy about it, but it's just surprising that it's 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 Dune, <laughs> and not like yeah, I can compare it also to like a Star Wars movie because I think people really wanted something like this to go out to watch, right, Manish? Uh, that's th- th- yeah. That, that's how I felt about it, you know, at the end. You know, I was thinking about this, and uh, you know, after a movie like Dune comes out, like every podcast I listen to talks about it, you know. Yeah. So I've been hearing a lot of different takes on on the movie and sort of why it's become this like, in some ways like cultural phenomenon or at least as much as we can get one, in this like, you know, COVID era where already things are fra- so fractured, right? Um, but I think that there is something about this movie, like this movie just feels different than blockbusters feel like these days, you know when. Um, you know, when you look at Dune compared to you know the, the Star Wars sequel trilogy, or you compare it to, you know, obviously the comic book movies that are out, like, Dune is like, it's science fiction, it's for adults, it's, you know, unashamed to be science fiction. You know, there are moments of humor, and there is a lot of levity in the film, but it's not, like, overly jokey. And it stars, like, of course, all these actors are extremely attractive, but also they're like real actors, like yeah. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, even Zendaya. I was consider her a real actress compared to like I mean I don't I don't want to like I don't want to diminish the people who are like in Star Wars or I mean I know Oscar Isaac is obviously in Star Wars, but like I don't want to diminish like you know the like Disney stars right now because like I think they're all really talented as well and a lot of like. Having just seen Eternals, like a lot of the a lot of the MCU rides on the charisma of you know, the actors, but like for some reason I feel like in Dune, like these actors are giving like performances as characters instead of just relying on their own screen persona and the audience relationship to to both the characters and the actors. Because I, I you know I saw the David Lynch movie years ago and don't remember it, so I, I have no attachment to Dune. This is not a nostalgia thing for me, and. I actually don't like it even... I don't even like it when people call this movie, like, an IP play. Because it's not... I mean, I know Dune is big, but, like, 
it I think this this movie is getting people to go see it who don't care about Dune. Um, and for for I guess like I don't know a twelve book se- I don't know how many books there are in the series, but like there's a few. Um, yeah. yeah, for something that's like as like big and dense as this, like someone who has like doesn't care about Dune, I was like really into it from the beginning because I'm like I just want to see like a big adult you know epic that takes place in a lot of sand and has like cool actors doing like actually playing characters not just you know um trading on sort of our attachment to them and i think it just feels like it just feels different you know it it doesn't feel like a rehash of anything i mean you know i'm sure people have done the comparisons to the old one and you know, I'm sure they found similarities to that one, but I don't. This is, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a sort of nostalgia reboot that is just trying to capture on like you know popular intellectual property. It feels like Denis Villeneuve had a movie he wanted to make and he made it, and he was inspired to make it for artistic reasons. Um, and this yeah. movie is a gamble. It's two and a half hours long. Obviously, it's part one of a two and. You know, I don't think that the I don't think part two is ever as in danger of not happening as they made it seem. Right. Uh, just because I I can't imagine Warner Media being like, yeah, we'll put part one in on the title, <laughs> and then not do part two. Like it just I think that'd be so embarrassing for them. Um, so I think it was always going to happen. Just I think they wanted to drum up you know excitement for the movie, so they're like, you know, we don't know part two is going to happen, so whatever. Uh, but I just. It it just feels like there's um we just I just feel like we just don't get movies like this anymore. Even even in the seventies we didn't get movies like this, which is like these like kind of grand scale epics, you know, with like you know, characters going through these intense angst feelings and you know, lots of like mysticism and magic and you know, uh you know, space intrigue and, and all that. So like, you know, I mean, you know, I, 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 having done that little research, I know that Star Wars was heavily influenced by Dune, but even, like, the original Star Wars trilogy, it's just, like, it's so jokey. Yeah. And I love that about it. There's a place for that. You know, I, that's nothing, that's not bad, but it's just kind of cool to have a movie that's not jokey. But, I'll, like, that takes itself seriously enough that, like, you don't feel like you're constantly being winked at. Yeah, but also is able to be this sort of like big over the top melodrama that also has like worms. Yeah, <laughs> and and portrays those worms as seriously as as like the, the 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 novel itself. I haven't read the novel, but from from my assumption, it's a heavy, dense novel. Um, yeah, yeah, but and you know, not to and I don't. I also don't want to come here bad mouth like. You know Star Wars or even the MCU, but I, I'll bring them up because I did I did watch Eternals too, and as much as I like that movie, it does very much feel like Disney properties nowadays that like you were saying like sort of the winking at it you know trying to be you know uh, trying to deal with you all this with a smirk, but even in that movie in Eternals and I'll talk more about Eternals like later on, um, even in that movie like I felt like the subject matter didn't need that. And yeah, I, I felt like it, it it should have been confident on its own tonally. I do think that Eternals is as close to the kind of tone that Dune has as I think 
it can be allowed for that franchise. Yeah. You know, like, I think Chloe Zhao... Again, don't want to talk about Dune. I'm sure you have a lot of... I don't want to talk about Eternals. I'm sure you have a whole episode planned on that. However, I do think that Chloe Zhao manages to get so close to this kind of, like, space opera tone of yeah. very, like, somber, serious, cold. And I think, you know, I'm, I think that she... You know, I'm not going to say she was forced to make it more comedic because I don't want to take away her agency. Maybe she likes the MCU jokiness, you know. Right. She obviously signed up to be in the MCU news. She knew she was getting into. Um, so, but I think that, like, she's ma- she manages to get almost the right balance. I think she veers too much into the comedy a little, but um, but I think she, she gets closest to it. And it's interesting to think about, you know, these two movies and No Time to Die, which are over two hours and 35 minutes long, all, all three of them. Yeah. And they both are very somber, serious movies with like kind of like varying levels of, you know, jokiness. But they also take, they take themselves seriously enough that I don't feel like I'm being like condescended to for being in the theater. You know, like I wouldn't want to watch a movie where Timothy Chalamet is like, hey, these sandworms are kind of ridiculous, aren't they? <laughs> like, I don't, that, I feel like that, that's, we, that would disrespect me as an audience member. Yeah. And one thing I appreciate about Dune is like how little hand holding it does. Like, yeah. I know people have been saying, oh, there's so much exposition in it. And sure, there is, but like, um, I feel like this movie wanted me to be smarter. And was relying on me to be smarter and be able to like catch up with all this like stuff that's going on. And I, I had I saw it twice because I didn't I wasn't that smart. Yeah, <laughs> I was like well, for a lot of it, I had no idea what was happening. And I and the same thing happened with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where the first time I saw it, I was like, I know I love this, but I don't really understand what's happening. And I watched it again, and it clicked for me. And the same thing. With, I think I might have to watch Dune a third time, actually, yeah, uh, for it to truly click for me. But I, I loved it though, and I love that feeling of like something is happening beyond my comprehension, and I wanted, I want to crack it. I, I want to get into it because I'm really invested in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I'm right there with you. In, in the last segment, I, I, I was saying like, for me personally, I sometimes. Uh, you know, first watch doesn't do it for me. Sometimes it does, but, yeah. f- but you know, for, for the majority of movies I see and I love, I need to see it for a second time. And for, for, for Dune in particular, for this Dune, first time watching it, I, I was like, well, and I, and I also say like, I had seen the Lynch Dune for the first time a few weeks ago before seeing new Dune. So that was in my mind. And I was like, it, it was like, is 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 Denise Dune like really that like? Uh, I had many thoughts. I'll just say, you know, and uh, I think unfairly comparing yeah. the, the the two versions of Dune, and then seeing it again, and then and then a third time, like those rewatches really cemented it for me. It clicked for me too, Manish. Like I, I felt like the uh, the, the the Paul's arc in this Timothy Chalamet's arc. Like really hit me that second time, and then the third time really yeah. cemented it as like, oh, I get it now. I I I, I get what this first movie is is doing, and yeah. um, I and then like I got really excited to see how they handle the second part, and I haven't felt this way in a while where it's not like a big franchise movie. It's not like an MCU. It's not a Star Wars. It's a movie by a a filmmaker who's already proven himself as like a really amazing um filmmaker in terms of like sci-fi in terms of smart sci-fi like with blade runner with arrival that like you said like 
you know, he doesn't like the handhold. Like those movies are are, are are amazingly smart for you know an audience that's you know, doesn't need that handholding. And I love that this project is just as smart as those previous projects. And that was refreshing to see. Like oh, like I I'm confident now that like. Uh, maybe I'll just be as dumb seeing Dune Part 2 and I need another rewatch but that's okay because I think we need more of that we, we, we need something that doesn't you know isn't just a quick you know uh, let's go to a matinee and just enjoy ourselves for, for the day which those movies are good but this one requires a bit more from you and I like that from, from this new Dune yeah and I, I think this movie and I'm sure the sequel and a lot of if not all of Denis Villeneuve's movies, they reward rewatches and they yeah. reward patience. And because um, even Arrival, which I think, I, I think Arrival is a little, uh, I don't want to say simpler to understand, but I don't think it's as, I think Arrival is dense emotionally, but not like narratively. Um and so I think that, but even that movie, like you gain so much more from seeing it over and over again, and, um, and it's not like oh, just watch it again, you'll you'll like it. It's more just like you want to be it. I guess you know, for me with Arrival, you know, Prisoners, um, uh, you know, uh, Enemy, of course, like. I feel like just like the more you watch it, the more they open themselves up to you, and the more you feel like that you're on that same wavelength. Especially, I mean, especially Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I have grown to love over the last you know four, what four years, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked that movie a lot when I first saw it, and I just watched it recently. Um, not even just to prepare for Doom, but just because I was like, I kind of want to watch it again, <laughs> like. You know, it's like it's an angsty, almost three-hour-long movie that you know is quite bananas at times, and it just it feels it, it gets more tangible the more you watch it, and I, I think I think Dune will will have that same effect. I mean, I'm already thinking like I can't wait to own it, you know? Yeah, and like have that be in my rotation when I'm in the mood for you know like. You know how, like, sometimes when I watch one Christopher Nolan movie, I end up watching, like, five of them? <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the same with Denis Villeneuve, too, where I'm like, once, you know, once I put in Blade Runner 2049, then Arrival's gonna come up, and then Prisoners probably will come up, and it's just like, you know... Um, did you talk about him in general with Sarah? Because I don't, re- don't want to repeat. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Sarah touched a bit about... Um, her love of Arrival, uh, but we didn't really yeah. open up uh, a lot about him. I mean, we can for sure talk about uh, Denis as a filmmaker because, like, yeah, uh, I already said, like, I-, I love pretty much everything I've seen of his. Like, um, yeah. Uh, even, like, uh, I won't say, yeah, I guess relatively his, like, smaller things, like Enemy or Prisoners, I still love those. Like, th- those are amazing. But when he does, yeah. like, you know 2049 and arrival like those two films are 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 exquisite they're amazing you you even talking about 2049 like makes me want to rewatch it you know tonight and i i, yeah. I actually had a thought earlier many of like sh- should i see uh batman begins again and i was like oh no i'm gonna end up rewatching all of that trilogy if i do that yeah it's, right yeah it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. what happens and um it, it, it arrival and 2049 are both movies that are like, oh yeah, like if I end up watching either one of them, I might just end up watching, you know, the rest of Denise's work. But I, 
I think I think is incredible. I think he's the perfect fit for something like this that requires that. Yeah, that, yeah. That the scope. only movie of his, the only movie of his I'm not totally crazy about is Sicario. Yeah, yeah. Um, only because I feel a little cheated by it because um, I wanted it to be Emily Blunt's kind of movie, and it's not. You know, she kind of gets sidelined in the second half, which you know makes sense narratively, sure, but. Um, it's kind of like, you know, that's not, it's not the movie I signed up for. Yeah, um, that one is tough. I, I do like that one overall, but I, I get that point that, uh, I mean, uh, and I, I actually hate the sequel <laughs> for that fact that it just pushes her out completely. Oh, right. I forgot the sequel. Yeah. And, and Danny doesn't have anything to do with that as far as I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that first one, it, it is tough because you do want it to be her movie, but I think because of the story he's trying to tell, like she does, she sure, uh, yeah, yeah, she she takes a back back seat. Um, but yeah, even that, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I think I had my problems with like prisoners before, but now thinking on it, like recently, I need to rewatch that movie. But I now think of that movie fondly because of of its yeah. performances, um, especially Hugh Jackman in that is incredible, and um, and Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Too. Of course, yeah. yeah. I feel like I put Preserves in my like top five of that year. Maybe it was in my number one movie. I was like really obsessed with Prisoners when it came out. I have no idea why. I've not watched it in like six years. <laughs> it's I don't know. But I was like, yeah. I may have only seen that movie one time, but it's been stuck in my head ever since. Like it's, I remember bits and parts yeah. of that movie now. And, and it's very um, yeah. It's unsettling. It is unsettling. It's it sticks with you. Um, yeah, I, I definitely need to rewatch. And also, Paul Dano in that is incredible. I mean, if anything, uh, Villeneuve knows how to cast these movies. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like every yeah. single one is like perfectly perfectly cast. Do we want to talk more about Denise's previous work, Manish? No, I, I think that that covers it. I just like I'm realizing how much of a fan I've become of his. Yeah. Um, and how much I'm just like, he's, you know, he's doing it in a way that no one else is doing it, you know, and it's, it's interesting to see him do, you know, an adaptation of a popular book or a sequel to, you know, a really popular film. And it just, it doesn't even feel like a cash grab. It feels like he's been tossing and turning over the stuff and he's had to get it out. Especially Dune. Dune feels like a movie that he's just been wrestling with. Yeah, and it, and it and it feels like it uh, on screen. Um, yeah, and and and, and, it, and in interviews, I can I can tell he's definitely passionate about it because like he already. I mean, of course, he's going to make part two, and he's already thinking about this being like a new trilogy um, with like the sequel novel uh, being his next target after finishing these two movies. But I'm like perfect. I'm like, hey. Uh, um, and again, I don't want to bash Star Wars or, or the MCU, but I like that he's has his own playground here versus like him doing a Star Wars or him doing a, an MCU movie because it feels like here, like with you know Warner Brothers and like the, the the you know what he's working on now, it does feel like he is not like this is him unfiltered, and you can definitely see that by comparing his movie so far it's like i don't see any other than maybe uh i actually don't know if like he would have preferred to do the the novel in like one take and like have like a complete like six hour movie who knows but other than like splitting up these two movies 
Uh, I don't see like any like studio hands on it or anything. I just see it, it is a, it as like his film overall, which is which is great to see. It's refreshing to see like um, there's no holding back with with Villeneuve uh, in this movie, which I love. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that this is his vision, you know, in its purest form. I was thinking, I don't think I would want to see a six-hour movie. Um, I, I kind of like that it's two movies split it, you know, split up. I think that if it, if it were, were to become a six-hour movie, that just people would be like, why isn't it a miniseries? Yeah. And I'm true. like, I don't want this to be a miniseries. <laughs> like, I want this to be a movie that I go see in a theater, not, like, watch on HBO Max. I mean, I will watch this movie on HBO Max, but, like, <laughs> I, I I don't want to be a Max original, you know? I get that, yeah. And, I mean, we could talk about this more, but I I don't know how you feel, Manish. Maybe I do, because I think you're you're kind of in line with me more than other people. But, like, when, when Villeneuve says, hey, you should watch this in a theater, knowing full well that it's going to be on HBO Max, you know, simultaneously. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, Denny, I'll I will do that. You know, not just because you said, but because this feels like that experience that I should feel, uh, I should watch on a big screen, and and having this, I have not seen this at home. I've seen bits and parts of it at home, but to me, it's not the same. And I, I kind of hate saying that because there's, you know, there's there's benefit of watching movies at home, especially now. I mean, we're still in a goddamn pandemic. Yeah. But right. this is one of those examples where even like on like a theatrical, like standard theatrical screen, I could already sense that, oh, I'm going to see this again in IMAX because that scope, it's, it's, that's his, like, uh, uh, one of his flourishes as a director is he knows how to show scale. And I can't imagine him doing what he did in this movie in, in, in its IMAX format, especially him doing that like as a TV series, as a mini series, it's like I, uh, I probably would not have liked it. Like, like you said, like if they yeah. did this like HBO Max series, you know, possibly versus doing like two huge movies. So yeah, I'm glad that we got what we got, and he is going to shoot part two, and uh, I, I hope again that they release this first one in IMAX again because like that that was an experience to see on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think Eternals would probably make make a good amount of money, of course, but I could easily see it relinquishing its IMAX screens to to Dune in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think re- regarding seeing it in the theater versus at home, I, I I'm a, I, I would rather people go see it in a theater, of course, because I think that it's a kind of movie you just want to like give yourself over to. I mean, like, I, I'm the kind of person that, like, I want to submit myself to a movie, and I don't want to, I want to meet it more than halfway, you know, I don't, I know some people will, like, kind of watch movies being like, okay, you gotta impress me, but for me, I'm like, hey, movies are magic, I just want to be swept away by it, and so I think that's easiestly, most easily accomplished in the theater, but I also know that, you know, it, like my parents saw this movie on HBO Max and they wanted to watch it with captions and yeah. which I suggested they did because of all the l- jargon and lingo and all that and I think well they have enjoyed it in the theater yeah but I also am just like you know they saw it at least you know yeah and 
I think what's cool about having it on HBO Max is that, like, now, like, I can watch it while, like, going to sleep or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I've, um, I, I've had yeah. it on in the background, you know, every once in a while here at home, too. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I am happy. And I think it's part of the, 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 the zeitgeisty nature of Dune now. I think that's part of the reason why there's Dune fever. Maybe. Um, it, yeah. it certainly hasn't hurt the fact that this is also streaming, but like uh, more people are watching it, uh, and but I mean it's making money the box exactly. office. So I yeah. feel like it, I feel like the day and date thing didn't hurt it in any significant way. Maybe like it did with like Black Widow, you know, or you know any of these other um, uh, things. I, I I don't know. I I, I think. I know people like to kind of, like, drag directors when they're, like, you know, you where they say, like, oh, you have to see my movie in a theater. Um, but I'm like, okay, maybe that's annoying, but I also know that's probably something that, like, the you know publicity campaign has told them to say. Like, um, but I also think it's annoying when people are, like, watching Dune the way it was intended on my phone. And I'm like, <laughs> you're still watching it. Like, Denis Villeneuve is not going to, like, know you, but you personally watched it on your phone. He doesn't care. He's just saying what he believes and you can choose to listen to it or not um but for me i was like i want to see it in imax because like that's what i'm hearing is the best way to see it and i want to have that i want to see that scale the way that it was intended and i don't think that's like i don't think that's elitist or or wrong to have that take i just think that like i also you know i just think that people should do what feels best for them yeah and Watching it on your TV, because like I know a lot of people have really nice TVs. Like my television, I feel like it will look great on it. I have no problems with that. Um, but you know, if you're gonna watch it on like an iPad, you're I mean, you're just missing something. I don't know. I wouldn't even. Well, I don't even like to watch like television on my computer. No, you know, yeah. like I have a smart TV for a reason. You know, <laughs> I, I I totally get that. And like again, I'm I'm with you. Like if. If uh, you know, if you if you still don't feel safe going out to a theater, I understand there are certainly places. By all means, stay yeah, home, there are yeah. certainly places in the world and and here in in the U.S. where it's still not like hundred percent great. And I don't blame you for staying at home or watching this, but yeah, but for me, like if if you are able to uh, seeing it in IMAX, especially like you get more, you literally get more from it. Like it, it expands out the aspect ratio, like. You know, uh, uh, is full frame, and you see a lot more of it. And I think, I think for me, it for me, it shot up like half a star rating because of that aspect ratio shift. Right. Because I, I, yeah, I don't know, yeah. like it, seeing, you know, a uh, uh, a giant worm devour, you know, a giant like a uh, uh, ship or not ship, but like one of those like a uh, uh, spice, but, yeah, uh, 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 diggers, like tanks or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Y- y- seeing that on a huge screen. Like with like you know loud you know speakers like, like immense sound that was a sight to behold. It's uh, it's an experience, um, and I don't I work for Warner Brothers, but I'll say that like seeing it in that uh, in that way is an experience. Look, I'm trying to get a job with Warner Media, so I will. <laughs> um, no, but I think one of the one of the most beautiful things about this movie that that Denis Villeneuve does is his contrast between these really intimate close-ups and then shots of people looking really small against the dune or against the sandworms like the scene when um that same scene 
you know, when they are trying to get the, when they're trying to like rescue those people in that like spice tank thing. And, you know, Paul is, you know, in the dune having, uh, having his vision. Just the, the way that the, the way that the movie kind of goes back and forth between having him be this like big figure in a close up versus something that's like really small and insignificant against nature. It's like, wow. Like, you know, you, it's just, it's something else on an IMAX screen, you know? Exactly. Um, but I think the movie also, I think this movie stands on its own without IMAX. And, you know, I, I, I would feel fine watching it. I mean, because I'm going to watch it at home all the time, you know, once I get the 4K Blu-ray in, you know, five months or whatever. Yeah. Um, Probably sooner you know, than that. So, this movie, <laughs> like, someone had a really good point on Twitter about this whole thing, which is that, like, people have been discovering classic movies on their televisions for decades, and, you know, this movie's legacy will be, eventually it will have to leave theaters and its legacy will be, like, kind of sustain itself on home video. And I, I think it can, you know? I mean, yeah. I think if people are watching on HBO Max and enjoying it, then I think it does, too. So I guess it's like, you know, if you... For me, it was really important to see it in the theater. I think it's the same for you, but other people have other priorities. Like, my my personal trainer, he watched it on HBO Max, and he, I mean, he didn't like it, but not because of that, but just because it wasn't his genre. Yeah. But I was like, hey, you still watched it. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, you got you got the number in. You got, yeah. It, it, yeah. It all adds up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it, it does say something that, like, um, well, I don't know how big of a film fan your personal trainer is, Manish, but, like, I, yeah, I, he is. Yeah, you know, um, even people who uh, are not film fans, I know, are watching it, which is great. Which is, I'm like, fantastic. Yeah. You're watching a Denis Villeneuve movie. Uh, maybe it's the yeah. first one, or but it's 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 a good one to start with, uh, Dune. And then, yeah, they'll be able to see like the rest of his work. Um, and I'm sure, like, um, even though 2049 pretty much didn't, you know, become the huge box office hit. Uh, maybe a lot of people wished you know it was i i think that the fact that since then it's been this like sort of like i want to say like cult hit but like i i still people i still have seen people talk about it you know in and out of this like you know film bubble i'm in and i yeah. think that had a lot to do with like you know uh vanilla getting the 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 dune job so and you know it's it, it goes to show that you know a movie doesn't need to be a huge hit uh, for people to catch on to it, you know, in a theater, but, you know, afterwards, yeah. you know, they can catch on streaming, yeah. um, and it, it still resonates, you know, years on. What did you think of the score? Oh, I feel like it's okay. a little controversial. Uh, see, I, when, when you say that, I don't know what you mean. You'll tell me that in a bit. I, I want to know how it's controversial, because I haven't really been involved okay. in like, the controversial <laughs> Hans Zimmer talk. Uh, when it comes I mean, to not theater. controversial in that like anything's like bad happening, <laughs> but I, I don't think people like it. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, I I, I ended yeah. up. Oh, uh, okay. Another reason why maybe that first time watching uh, New Dune may not have been like um, uh, it didn't really hit me that first time. I I really kept thinking about Lynch's Dune and how like things in that worked better for me. The first time i won't say that now after seeing you know the new dune three times but one of the things i loved about the old dune uh, of lynch's is like that score by toto like that that score is amazing and it has like a theme yeah that like gets stuck in your head um 
Hans Zimmer, meanwhile, not really known for lately for those like you know memorable themes. Although he does stuff here that I really liked, and I did listen to the score afterwards, and I really like a lot of it actually now. Uh, having watched the movie three times, um, I, I I am a fan of his work. I wouldn't say it's like the best he's done. Uh, I, I've seen a few people say, oh, he, he's definitely a lock for the Oscar. I'm like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go as, uh, so far as to say that. But I'm a fan. Not a huge fan, but I'm a fan of this score. Uh, what about you, Manish? Yeah, me too. I mean, I, it's like I never got tired of like those musical flares you know, that would happen. Or sorry, musical flourishes that would happen whenever there's like an intense shot of the dunes. You know, or like something like something like that, where it's just like the music would just get really intense, and you know you're watching something epic. I never got tired of that, and so I like the score. I think the use of bagpipes was kind of cool. Yeah, um, you don't really you don't really hear that often in a big movie like this, and I think what makes the score so interesting to me is that like it's able to replicate the sense of scale that the visuals have. And it's able to like match the emotions in a way that also feels a little subconscious. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it it definitely kicks in towards the end, like that final uh, um, uh, track, uh, basically um, right before the end credits. Like that was like amazing. Yeah, like, th- yeah. Like like you said, like it it doesn't make it feel as epic. In scale as like what you see on screen, which I think helps. Um, yeah, I I I, I kind of felt the same way. Uh, n- not to get too much into it, but like Hans Zimmer nowadays feels like he's just recycling a lot of his own themes. Yeah, I agree. Which I'm like, uh, again, this might be this might be controversial, but like I think his like last great score was for like Inception, where I think he tried to make something new and original. But since then, he hasn't really topped that, or he hasn't really, you know, reinvented the game again. So that's just my hot take. But I still think he does like good work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I, I agree with exactly that. Yeah, because like it's hard to nowadays top something like Inception, which I listen to like <laughs> every time I go through like a a wormhole like thing where I listen to like soundtracks I always end up with the Inception soundtrack playing right right um, yeah but you know uh, who's to say you know nowadays you know Dune might not end up in the rotation but as much as Inception probably not um, let's see what else can we say about uh, Dune Manish was there anyone in the cast that really stood out to you uh, I mean I I'm a huge fan of Oscar Isaac in this um, for yeah. you know, relatively for the brief time he's in, he's only in a handful of scenes. But for for that for that first half that he's in, like those scenes, like it, especially that scene with him and Charlemagne at the uh, at the grave at the cemetery or, or wherever there, yeah. the sci-fi cemetery, like those scenes that, that those those really work for me, and it goes to show like how. Like uh, charismatic and how just amazing of an actor Isaac is, um, and that hair always gets me too. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I he might be my favorite. Actually, no. Look at the cast list. Rebecca Ferguson. Oh my God, everything she does in this. Even though I may have problems with her character um, overall, I think what she does with the character 
it's incredible. Like she, I, I was gonna say Oscar Isaac might be my favorite. I think Ferguson actually might be my, might be my favorite of this whole cast. Um, and, and even like Josh Brolin with like the stuff he does, very <laughs> it's almost stilted, but he's like very military regiment guy. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I love it every time he's on screen though, and whatever he's doing, like this kind of old man military dude, I I, I love it. Um, uh, how about you, Manish? Who, who, who are some of your favorites in this? Um. I mean, I'm not going to mention Timothy Chalamet because he's, like, the lead. So, like, it, he, it, he stood out, but, like, not in a sense of, like, he, did, he didn't take the spotlight away from himself. Right. I, um, but I, I feel like, yeah, like, Rebecca Ferguson, I thought she was really good. Um, I, it's, like, I really look forward to her performances because she does a lot of, like, genre movies, I guess. And, but then is also, like, I don't know, just able to capture both something that's like really mainstream and kind of fun with something that's like really sinister and dark and so I really liked her and um yeah I mean like this movie has such a like stacked cast where like even Javier Bardem is in there playing like a minor character yeah you know or like um you know that you can just like yeah it's just it feels yeah, I think that it's just so um, it's just so exciting to have a lot of um, a lot of really talented you know name actors that just like popping up in all these random places. Like to me, it's like more exciting than to just see like extras. Yeah, and even like somebody like Charlotte Rampling, who yeah, like uh, I I didn't catch who she was playing until the second time I saw it because. She's in like that uh, cloak or whatever, and then second yeah, time, yeah. second time I saw, I go, oh, that's who she's that, that's who she is. Um, even like you know uh, smaller parts like that filled with like an act and you know an actor of that of that caliber, I'm like, oh, that's that's perfect. It it, it rounds yeah. out the cast um, with these amazing actors. Even like Stellan Skarsgård going like full. Uh, a Marlon Brando and a Apocalypse Now, like that sort of performance. I'm like, yeah. perfect. <laughs> it's like, g- g- give me, yeah. the, give me these like uh, fantastic, you know, actors doing like these weird, out there, you know, sci-fi roles. Oh, I, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, I also really enjoyed Zendaya, even though I know that she like doesn't have a lot of like stuff to do. But I don't know. I thought she was just. Um, I thought she was good. I think she played that mysterious part well, and then, you know, when we meet her, she's so different. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll say one of my favorite... If, if I were to make a list of my favorite moments uh, in in cinema of 2021, one of those moments is watching this movie on a huge IMAX screen and having, like, a five-story Zendaya looking down at us and smiling. <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a visual yeah. to see, like, her in that one of those dream sequences, like... Oh, I'll remember it maybe forever but just I think her being very much just like literally like the dream woman of Paul's but being her own real character at the end I think it's it's, it's perfect I, I don't I don't see it as like a slight it, wasn't there an article yeah. Manisha of like somebody complaining that there wasn't enough Zendaya in this movie like did, did was that yeah. Thing, yeah was that thing that happened it wasn't even that it's just that like because she you know, she's obviously so popular that, like, they put her front and center in the marketing. Um, yeah. But then what happened is that then that person was like, my earnings are going down because of 
she felt tricked by the marketing uh. because Zendaya was upfront. She was saying that the movie was trying to raise its profile by putting Zendaya upfront, even though they knew that it was she wasn't going to be in the movie much. I I always got the sense that Zendaya was not going to be in the movie that much, just because like not that I didn't really remember her character, but it just seemed obvious to me that like. Obviously, this is, you know, Timothy Chalamet's story, and those are his parents, and I don't know, just, it, it didn't seem like such a um, shock to me that she would be in such, so little of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean... But yeah, I, I think that person used the word bamboozled. Oh, jeez. Well, okay. I, and I'm like, this is not the first or last time, like, an actor is going to be used for marketing. Exactly. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not going to say... Uh, well, what am I trying to say here? It's like, I mean, I can see maybe part of 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 that push in the marketing because like she is such an a, um, a popular figure in Daya, but also yeah. I felt like her presence in the movie, like was I I I, I liked it. I liked you know uh, Paul having visions of of uh, of Zendaya's character, and we always see her, but we never really. Like interact with her until the very end. I, I like that aspect of the movie, and I think she was in there just enough uh, to to feel like. I I also think that like it was very clear to me that she was going to become an essential character because it felt like the whole movie was leading to her. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if she'll be like the lead of the second movie or not, but definitely felt like they were building up towards something where, um, I was like, obviously this movie's going to end with her, like like the real her coming into contact with Paul like that's just how like if you really didn't know see that coming then I feel like I don't know what to tell you <laughs> so Manish uh, don't want to take up all of your time tonight um, let's let's go to your final thoughts on Dune part one and then we'll 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 wrap up with you and then Matt Carion will be on the show in a bit for for his take on the movie so Manish your final thoughts on Dune yeah um it's, uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought that it was very intimate, even for all of its sprawling vistas. Um, and I think, oh, there's Matt. Oh, Matt's here. Hey, Matt. Ahoy, ahoy. Are you, are you recording, Hi. by the way? Yeah. Okay, uh, Matt Curran like, is with Like us. you told me to. We're gonna have him on in the, in the last segment, um, on the show. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you more in a bit. Uh, Matt, but Manish is giving his final thoughts on Dune. Go ahead, Manish. Yeah. I'll listen in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's, it felt like an old school epic. It felt like there was um, so much happening, and I a lot of stuff I felt like I hadn't really seen before, and it was just like, uh, yeah, it's such a wonderful cast, and Denis Villeneuve, I think, pulled it off with, you know with a plum and it's just yeah i mean i really cannot recommend it enough I, I think if you are have any any inkling to see it you should go rush out and see it because or stay home and see it because it's a it's quite it's quite an experience and i feel like that the experience will be there at home i mean i haven't seen the movie at home yet but i plan to and i'm have no doubts that it'll be just as exhilarating yeah there you go perfect um, Manish, thank you. Before we let you go, thank you. before I talk to Matt, uh, plugs, Manish, where can people listening find you online? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at themanish89. That's T-H-E-M-A-N-I-S-H-8-9. Also, check out my letterbox where I do not take any of my reviews seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of my reviews are just one-line jokes that are kind of are just fun for me to write. Um, and also, I have two podcasts, which are both on hiatus currently, Ipontibu and Queer Now, but you can find their full archives ready for your enjoyment. Yes, over at Talk Film Society. Go check them out. That's right. Yes. Uh, thank you, Manish. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Manish. Uh, and now we're going to take a break and we're going to come back t- and talk with Matt about his Dune experience. Right, Matt? Sure. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. And we're back. Oh. <laughs> and we're back. Hey, Matt. How, how are you? Hey, buddy. Oh, my God. It's good talking to you again. It's been a while, right? Yeah, it's, it's been a couple weeks. Maybe like month, a month, I don't know. maybe. Um, yeah, something like that. We're here to talk about Dune. Uh, Dune. Let me... Dunny. Let me break down what's what's been happening. This is a this is a this is a jam packed episode. Okay, first segment, a lot of sand you got to talk yeah. about. First segment, I talked with uh, Sarah Sorrentino about French Dispatch and Dune. Second segment, me and Manish talk Dune, and now third and final segment, Matt. Now you're on the now 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 the now the giant worm is staring at you. Hell talking, yeah. Now we're talking Dune. Okay. Give me so, that shy halud. <laughs> Dune fever, Matt. Dune fever has hit America. I got it. You got, got Dune it. fever. Let's just let's just let's just let's just get into it because earlier I talked with Sarah about her theatrical experience. Talked with Manish about his theatrical experience. Speaking of theaters, Matt, did you end up seeing Dune in a theater? I did. What? Crazy, right? Tell what, me how. What is the world coming to? Tell me why that's a wild statement uh, for anybody to say. Matt Creon in a theater. <laughs> what's what's up the with last, that? <laughs> the last time I was at a theater was early March 2020 to see The Invisible Man. That's Ooh. why it's a big deal. Uh, and you you've been on record saying it's a you are not going to go back to see a, th- a movie in a, in a theater for a long 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 time maybe forever yes i mean you're you're one of those people you're very very it's much weird like, yeah uh you're happy at home you have a good setup at home good tv good sound system what made you go out to see dune in a theater it's dune <laughs> Be more specific. Remember, this it's is a, a movie I've—it's <laughs> a movie I've been waiting for for years. It's—it's uh, it's Dune, Dune, talk, baby. Talk to me about your your Dune anticipation. Uh, how I mean, is it—is it the fact that it's a Denis Villeneuve movie? Is it the fact that you? It's, it's partly that because the man has yet to let me down when it comes to sci-fi. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen. His sci-fi films, I've seen uh, Arrival, Blade Runner, and now this, and uh, yeah, hasn't let me down. He's pretty freaking good at it, and apparently now he just wants to be the Dune guy for the rest of his career, and yes, do it. Go for it. Dune it. Be the, be the Dune man. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're, you're a huge fan of Denny. Uh, I mean, are, uh, how, how big of a fan are you of, like... The, the source have you have you read the book I mean I I, I know you've seen the very Lynch film I've seen the Lynch film many times 
uh, funny story. I own all the books. <laughs> but, okay. But how many have you read? Uh, I have read uh, apparently just as much as Villeneuve has read. Well, how much is, has he read? About half the book. <laughs> he's, only, he's only read half the book. I dropped off reading the book. I got distracted and started doing something else just when uh, Paul meets Shani. So, yeah, we, he, and, me and Denis both stopped reading at the same time. We have something in common, Marcelo. <laughs> I, I hope he ends up picking up the book and finishing it off for, uh, when he makes Doom Part 2. Nah, he's going to wing it. Well, well, he's okay. going to wing it. You're the first person who I've talked to who's read at least half the book. Okay. I've read I've read what this movie is. Okay, yeah, yeah, basically. you've read that. Yeah. Um so you have you, you you got me there and you have the past guests there with that. Um so okay. So we have the reasons why you made it back to Fun fact. To the theater. Yes. He did a good job. You did a good job. Now, let me ask you this. He did a good did, job. Did you see Dune? Uh, he got some of yeah, I was gonna say, did you see Dune at home before you saw it in the theater, or was it the theater nope. experience the first time you saw it? Oh, it was the first time. Yes. Okay. I've watched it since, but first time was in a theater. Yes. You were saying you thought Dune was good. Dune's pretty good. It's good adaptation. Uh, a lot of the imagery in the film is what I imagined it would look like when I was reading the book back in the day. Oh. Um, now. Uh, and this cast, this cast, Marcelo. The cast is amazing. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. My God, bit. I I, I kind of want to pick your brain. How long has it been since you've read half that book? Oh, at least ten years. Ten years. Oh, so you, you, your memory of it isn't as clear. I'm gonna read it soon, though. I have okay. I don't know sixty pages left of The Exorcist, and then I'm gonna read Dune finally. Because <laughs> um, I had Sarah on her. Great book, by the way, the Marcelo. Exorcist. I, can't recommend that shit enough. Uh, you can really tell Blatty adapted his own novel to the screen. Oh, uh, more about that on our Exorcist uh, podcast. Um, it's coming. Uh, Sarah said her boyfriend read the Dune book, and he said he had. Oh, she said that his boyfriend. Sorry, who who am I talking about? Sean is Sarah's Sarah? boyfriend. Sarah Sorrentino yes. has a boyfriend named Sean. Sean said, oh? <laughs> "Yeah, Sean said that he had like problems with like some of the choices made in the movie." Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about that because it's been ten years since you read the book. It's been but, ten years. Yes. Yeah, I, I kind of want to read the book now just to know like what artistic choices were made, the changes made in, in, in a lot the adaptation. of um, But you know, There's a lot of books. Judging a lot from, of books, a lot of beef swelling. <laughs> judging. Uh, f- uh, <laughs> Judging from like the reactions I've seen so far, uh, he's done a good job. Because one thing I've read about having not read it's the book, dense. It's dense. Is it oh. fair, is it fair to say that the source novel is like emotionless? No, not at all. Because that that's something I've been hearing that like this. It's not. It's it's very like cold and calculated. Cool. The, the original source. Well, it's well, it's hard science fiction. Yeah. So there's going to be an element of coldness to it, but no, it's no. Okay, fine. Um, because that's one thing people I heard. need to learn how to read, Marcel. <laughs> what? Well, and, and, and why do people always say that it's a hard book to read, Matt? Because it is so dense. Yeah, there are so many different plot lines going on. There are. There's like a fifty-page glossary in the back of different terms. Oh, jeez. And the turns of phrase that they use in this world uh, that he that Herbert just throws at you. 
and there'll be a little annotation saying, you know, like, see glossary. <laughs> like, he doesn't have time for exposition to do that. Well, uh, one thing I, a little fact I love about Lynch's Dune is how uh, when they released that, they released, like, a pamphlet with, like, oh my God, yeah. like glossary yeah. terms. Yeah, they did. Like, like, uh, things. Yeah, um, yeah uh, the exposition in the new one, uh, it's a lot better than the exposition in the old one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, also, I, I look, I love Lynch's movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's terrifying when you give David Lynch millions upon millions of dollars because, you know, that's not a thing that happens. But they, it, it was always a mistake trying to make that book into one movie. Yeah. I mean, it, you could do it, but it'd be six hours long, as 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 yeah. I've said uh, over the course of this episode. I mean, yeah. it would be a very long movie, it'd be a very long movie, and uh, yeah. And we definitely don't want to have this be, as I was saying with Manish, like a HBO Max limited series because I don't know you. I, I don't know. But how I you, am looking forward to that HBO Max Dune series. They are making HBO Max Dune series, but. Yeah, give me all that Benny Jesserit bullshit. I need it. This leads me into because I want to really dig into your, your experience back in the theaters, Matt. Uh, I I I want to I want to dive into that here. Because, it was weird. Uh, here, uh, let me let, let me let me start by saying I had this. To, I had to pee for like the last hour. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about. I don't it. like that. We'll talk about it. But earlier in the last segment with Manisha, I was saying, for me personally, I know that I got I got more out of it seeing it in the theater. Than I would have, than I would have if I had just seen it at home. Okay, uh, that, but that's just me. That's just how I feel. I know other people look at films differently. But how do you feel about it seeing it in the theater? And talk to me about having to uh, hold, it hold that pee. Afterwards. Yeah, and then seeing it at home afterwards. How, how do those two compare? Um, I missed being able to pause the movie. I'll ah, tell you that much. Yeah. So I could go pee. Uh, that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, I got more out of it watching it at home. On on a rewatch, um, right? On a rewatch, because I was able to, like, you know, pause it and, like, look at different, like, you know, little details and stuff like that. But uh, and the first time I saw it, I was basically just blown away. Mm. Big movie, big screen. Loved big it. Big movie, big screen. Did you end up seeing it in IMAX? No. No, just regular screen? How? No, that's, that's half an hour. That's half an hour away. I'm not doing that. Sorry. I would have done that. But that's just me. I got shit to do, man. <laughs> I got nothing to do. I got nothing. Um, I, got, I got a life, Marcella. <laughs> I got. I have no life. I bought a. I bought a James Bond Lego set the other day. I got no life. That that Aston Martin is dope as shit. It's, I've had my eye on that for so long. It's been fun. Listeners at home, I have uh, maybe you're talk- gonna have so much fun with that thing. Uh, listeners at home, I'll talk more about this maybe on another episode. But I bought my first Lego set ever as a grown yeah. ass man. Because uh, I, I stepped into that Lego store just browsing, mm-hmm. and then I saw mm-hmm. the Aston Martin 007 Lego set, and I said, I yep. must have this, and I bought it. That store is dangerous, Marcelo. It is. Uh, I was in there just looking for, like, you know, a small little, you know, set, like 20 bucks or whatever, and we came across the Seinfeld apartment. Ah, yes. See, and, I, and I was like, well, how, how, how much is that? And Carlo goes, it's like 70 bucks. I'm like, yeah. Give it, give it to me. Put it in my head. It's yeah. Fine. See, the, give me. The, the thing about me and the Lego sets is like, I told myself a few weeks ago, it's like there's only one set I would buy, and it it was that uh, that Aston Martin set, 
And I saw you, you would want you would want the the bar from Cheers in Lego no. form. Obviously, there's like who wouldn't? There's like really no other set I would want other than that James Bond set, and that's the one I got. I have a few. They're uh, fun. Like I have the Empire State Building, the Space Station, uh, the Lunar Lander was a lot of fun put together. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I, a lot know, of fun stuff. I I, I started building it uh, uh, last night, and I've been building it today. It's a very relaxing experience building these Lego sets. It, it is. Yeah, it really is. It's a stress reliever for me. So, so unless you're missing a piece, and yeah, then the stress goes through the roof. So I uh, I'll say uh, this being the tangent. Um, it's I, I I loved so far. Uh, uh, you know, building a Lego set and putting on a movie. I watched the Irish. You got to put the engine together too, right? I, I think I do, yeah. I gotta, yeah, build that engine. Yeah, and you have all those little like gadgets and stuff. Yeah, it's got an injector seat. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm That's gonna cool. what I'm gonna do later, probably tonight, is put on 2049 uh, and and continue building my Lego set. Um, you gotta. What are you doing, man? You got to put on a James Bond movie while you put I, together your James Bond Legos. But see, the, the problem is if I put if I put on a James Bond movie, I'll be focused on the James Bond movie. I want to kind of throwing. You're putting together an Aston Martin. <laughs> what? Put on Gold, Goldfinger. And you know just, what? Enjoy yourself for the for the final phase of this. I'll put on Tomorrow Never Dies and and, and watch Hell yeah. it as I build this. Uh, but anyway, that's me and Legos. Um, uh, talk to me about. I want I want to know more about uh, how was the crowd? Uh, how was your? How was the? the there was eight people there. There's eight people. Okay, so you, it was it was a it was a three o'clock on a Thursday, Marcelo. Uh, it was not a busy time. You know what? So 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 Dune. You Fever, really think I'm going to a, a packed theater? No. <sighs> Dune Fever. Not even for Dune, my friend. Dune Fever wasn't uh, wasn't hitting as hard for you as 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 uh, as our other guests and me. No, because I, I mean I, I I was saying earlier I went to go see. Dune. Fun fact: If that theater was packed and I wa- and I walked in and it was packed, I would have walked back out. That's fair. That's fair. I was just curious. That's not happening. I was just curious because I, 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 I'm interested in that, like, in how people are clamoring to this, like a big blockbuster movie. And to it's me, doing well. I know it's doing well. To me, it's like pretty surprising, you know, because it's Beat, yeah, it's I'm shocked Dune. actually. It's Dune. It's Dune. It's, and, it's fucking worms and 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 spice, baby. Yeah, like and, I don't know how this is hitting hard with audiences. And 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 the story I've been telling uh, uh, over the course of this episode is I saw it on a Thursday, packed. I mean, uh, packed for as packed as like you know pandemic blockbusters are right it's it was it was normal yeah. but then i saw it on a tuesday uh, night uh a weekday for god's sakes and the amc was like it was avengers endgame crowded it was it was wild Ugh. yeah i yeah well, thank it, you it was it was See, oh, the thing is i love movies marcelo you hate people fucking hate people you hate people i understand i understand hate them but you're i mean I, I i hope the eight other people in that screening they were on their best behavior um uh, yeah, they were. No, yeah. one, no one was really talking all that okay. much. Okay, so I'm good. But overall, you'll say, yes, Dune in a theater, good, right? Dune good. Dune good. Now, uh, Dune good. Dune, Dune made you go back to the theater. Uh, are you going to go back for another movie sometime soon? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe Matrix? Uh, definitely The Matrix. Come on now. Maybe. Seeing, that, seeing that trailer on the big screen was a treat. Oh, it you know that, that was fun. It's it's beautiful. That, that was that was me just going. Oh yeah, this. <laughs> oh yeah, this is coming, isn't it? It's it's for the, originally that was going to be my return. Ah uh, yes, and but you saw Dune like about a week and a half after it came out, opening weekend, yes. right? Yes. I mean, was yes. was there something that okay? I'll bring this up because 
because I know you talked about it on Twitter. You made you made it very public that you weren't happy with the fact that Denis Villeneuve was saying you must see this in the theater. All right. You're, no, I, I was not. All right, you're on record. Do you want to talk about that, Matt? I may or may not have downloaded the movie before <laughs> I saw it. I wanted just you, to spite him. I wanted you to say it. Okay, I wanted you to say it. It is. It may or may not be sitting on my hard drive right now. But uh, so I can watch it at work because work has shitty Wi-Fi. <laughs> now, why were you so spiteful, Matt? Because don't tell me what to do, Frenchie. <laughs> He's one of my favorite directors, Marcella, but if he would just shut the fuck up, he would be so much better. Just shut your mouth, please. Stop talking. You're making me upset. Uh, it's, I mean... You must see it in the cinema. Shut the fuck up and make your movie. Shut up. Were you, I don't want to hear it. Were you just as mad? Uh, um, uh... And also, the main reason I didn't see it you know, opening weekend is because it came out during spooky season. Oh, that's right. You're 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 very. It's not horror. You're very stringent in what you see in October. You only you only must see horror in October. Only horror. Okay. Only horror in October. So I have not seen. You know, I didn't see James Bond. Uh, there's a whole I'm bunch of other head. movies I have to catch up on. I have to catch up on. Like I, today, I just picked up the Protege. Really want to see that. That well, looks I mean, cool. It's not one. No, um, you kind of missed that one, I think. Uh, but uh, no, I can't because it's Martin Campbell and he. Uh, He's great action director. Sure. They should bring him back for the next Bond. Because he's introduced the last two Bonds, so he should do the next one. I, I, have him on the call. I'm surprised you haven't seen No Time to Die yet, but I think that one for sure... Haven't seen that. Haven't You'll, seen that. Haven't seen a ton of movies that came out in the last two months because they're not horror, so... I think I think that's uh, my problem. I think you'll definitely enjoy that one once you see it at home, Matt. Uh, Looks good. Yeah. Um, Looks good. But going back to Dune... Okay. Uh, what else really... I mean, I, I, the trip back to the theater... It was loud. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, the trip back to the theater for you, you don't regret it. Uh, it was loud. Uh, it was... <coughs> I think I regret it. <coughs> I don't feel good. You're coughing. Uh. <laughs> You're sick. You got COVID. Yes, I'm sick now. Just I'm to make it now. clear. I got it. I'm going to be... Dead in a fucking week because I saw the sandworm. But see, but Jesus, I, I I want I want you to publicly say that Denis Villeneuve was right. I want you to say that. No, <laughs> he said for you to watch it in the theater. You came out of it yes, not it disappointed. Awesome. And yeah, it was, and it was awesome seeing it in the theater. And yet, I got more out of it watching it at home. But that on a rewatch, though, the the, the experience of watching it on the big screen. Was worth it, right? It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. cool. It was cool. Yeah. All right. I, I listen because I'm all for. I don't. I don't mind it at all if a director says to watch it. Uh, uh, in a I, I'm a. I'm a big. I'm a big time. Theaters are fine, guy. Yeah, I know. They're fine. I know. But it, I. I. I, I, I really wanted to have you on the show because this discussion for me is interesting because it, over the last year and a half, like Dune. you have been the one person I know who has been. Very much like no <laughs> theater. Anti everything. But this is the one that gets you back. This is the one that gets you back. Um, Crazy, right? Which, 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 which I'm happy. I'm happy that you went out and saw it in the theater. Um, uh, even even though you're you were so spiteful towards Denis Villeneuve that you downloaded this movie <laughs> to watch it at home. Piss me off. You piss me off. Don't tell me what to do. You've already made the movie. It's out of your hands now. Sorry, sorry, buddy. 
I mean, do you feel the same way? Like, uh, I'm sure that last night, me, I'm sure last night, me watching Tenet with subtitles really pissed off Nolan somewhere in the universe. Well, that's but I don't fucking care. Well, that, I can't understand what your characters are saying. I'm going to turn the subtitles on. Fix your sound mix. Well, that's well, well that's cause because because uh, uh, Tenet is no longer in theaters. Okay. Uh, and that's also because you know he doesn't. He's deaf apparently, and he doesn't know how sound mixing works. I don't know. I don't. That know sounds he, fine. I don't know if he's legitimately deaf. I mean, Michael Mann for sure is going deaf. I mean, that I think that's on oh, record. He did. He yeah, is, yeah, he yeah. Is. I, yeah. I I know about Nolan. Nolan just has a thing with sound. Okay, gotta uh, be loud. Although, like overpowering. Great movie, but it, it subtitles movie. really really help. They really help, Marcelo. So so Denis Villeneuve was right. I want to get that on record. Um, <laughs> Sure, sure. What else? What else did you enjoy about Dune? First or second time uh, watching it, Matt? The cast. The cast. I mean, okay, let's the, go through some cast. of the cast. We, we were talking the about the cast over the course. Yeah, of the hit episode. me up with some cast members, and I'll tell you what I thought. What they, how they did. Okay, let's go with the lead, Chalamet. Uh, little Tim Tim loved him. Thought he was great. <laughs> I found it. Very, uh, I, found he, it I, I honestly didn't think he was going to be good in it. Yeah, I, I found uh, lines uh, when Zendaya's character says he looks like a little boy. I found those to be very funny, and like because he does, because he does, and I think he fits he that role of that like that, that angsty boy who's all of a sudden put yeah. in charge, and that that sad sad little twink just looking. <laughs> you can say that. I can't say that. Um, well, I give you permission. How about that? <laughs> okay, twink Charlemagne. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> Amazing, yeah, amazing, and I love the little. I love the relationship she has with Paul. I love that that weird little like sign language they do. Yes, yes, that kind of that that was fucking awesome. Uh, no, I think she's terrific in this movie, and I cannot wait to see her in part two because things are going to get buck wild. Oh yeah, uh, what about uh, somebody we, we won't see in part two, or maybe in flashbacks or uh, dream sequences? Oscar Isaac. Uh, fantastic. Uh, he, I actually felt like he was, he could be Chalamet's father. Yeah, yeah. Which I had an issue with, you know, in the original where I was like, they're, no, they're not related. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was know, like, I was like, I was like, Jürgen Jürg, Perk now is not Kyle McLaughlin's <laughs> father. Stop it. One Stop of the it, things, please. one of the things that helped with me, um, uh, really connecting to and really, Understanding that, like, uh, father-son relationship, strangely enough, strangely enough is their hair. <laughs> the a, hair. A very uh, similar hair. Yeah, yes. And I really like the scene of them at the at the graveyard. Yeah. The ancestors. I thought that was a good selling point that, no, no, that's his father. This works. Yeah. Exactly. I thought he was terrific. Uh, what about good old Josh Brolin? Fantastic. Uh, I totally bought him as this badass, like, trainer. Yeah, he rules. He's always great. Oh, always great in like pretty much any movie. Like I just watched him in uh, Sicario again, and uh, oh, yeah. perfect in that movie too. Yeah, yeah he yeah. works well with uh, with guy whose name I can't pronounce. So Denis Villeneuve. I'll just that's great. I'm gonna call him Denis. How about that? There you go. Yeah, I'm call him Denis. Go near that last name with a ten foot pole. Uh, let's. No, Brolin was fantastic. Really liked him. Let's do a few more names. Stellan Skarsgård. <sighs> Fucking tremendous. And not just in size, Marcelo. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, amazing as the Baron. Uh, a lot less gross than in the uh, the Lynch film. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness, because uh, that guy's gross. But, uh, oh, my God, loved him in this. I loved his voice. 
I loved his weird little spider human pet that he has. That was cool. Um, I like the guy that played his assistant. Uh, he was Polka Dot Man. Yes. Uh, his name. A name I have problems pronouncing because it's David Dastmalchain. Sure, whatever. Guy mm-hmm. from Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great in it, too. But uh, Skarsgård is uh, terrifying in this movie. He really, he's really intimidating. And I, uh, yeah, love him. I love the Baron in this movie. I love what they did. And yet again, can't wait for part two. Uh, oh, somebody we haven't talked about at all in this episode, but we have to talk about him now. Uh, Cause I want to talk about him. Uh, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. Weird without facial hair. Yeah. That's, that's v- something very yeah. off putting. Yeah. I, I, I went to see this with a friend who said the same thing and I was like, yes, absolutely. Weird to see like, Momoa with no hair. Like during the movie, hair. Carlo turns to me and goes, Oh, he looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> like something's wrong. <laughs> something's not something's right. off here. <laughs> but uh, no, he's great. I, I thought he was really good as Duncan Idaho. He's like, this big, you know, burly dude who uh, I hate going back to keep going back to the 84 film. But that guy was, uh, you know, not who I picture as Duncan Idaho as this like great warrior, you know? Yeah. Like I buy Jason Momoa as like this badass who's like, yeah, I'm going to go live in the desert for eight weeks and uh, find these Fremen. It's It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have fun doing <laughs> doing this. Yeah, and, and one thing I ended up enjoying having seen it again um, is I like the fact that they – it. oh, I don't know about the book because, I, of course, I don't read. Um, uh, in, in, you can't read. That's the I problem. Uh, it's why Never I, learned. It's why I do podcasts. I just – I can't read. Um, in the Lynch Dune, for sure, Duncan Idaho – is barely there. Like it just. And he goes out like a bitch. He goes out. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> um, but in this one, it for sure. Like he. Uh, He's so badass. It's so good, and he has like a little arc that works, and you do feel. Yeah, it's good. You do feel like so bad when. He does, and he's, and you can, you really feel that he's like Paul's buddy. Yeah, 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 and and, and like that little offhand like, comment, he's like, "Oh God, you're trying to get me court-martialed," <laughs> and you do feel bad. I'm like, "Oh, Paul." Yeah, you do feel bad. Oh, I felt bad when spoiler alert, like he does die, and yeah, but then he does have like, that badass moment where you think he's dead, and he gets back up, pulls that sword out, out of him. Fuck and, yeah, he does, and, and yeah, he does. People. Um, well, fingers crossed, he'll be back if Denis gets his way. Yeah, well, don't spoil it for me because I have no idea how he would come back because I think he's dead. But uh, not until the third book. Uh, well, you, I think I, the hey, second or third book. I just said don't spoil it for me. <laughs> Sorry, but okay. hey, listeners, he comes back as a clone. Jesus, oh, that's a huge. Spoiler. I believe they're called. I believe believe they're called golas oh. in this in this world. Oh boy, I, you know what? I'm, I'm another e- another word you got to learn. I'm I'm very eager to see what happens in the in the future books because I mean as uh, all I know about Dune is what happens in Lynch Dune and that's the first book okay. so I don't know I don't know what happens in future future Dunes so I think in like the fourth or fifth book one of the characters turns into a worm Jesus that sounds and, be- crazy. and becomes like the Lord Emperor. And it's like Paul's son, apparently. My God. Yeah, it's gonna get. It's gonna. <laughs> get if they if they do this whole series, shit's gonna get weird, Marcelo. Real weird, real fast. Let's do uh, one last uh, cast. I'm moment. the man worm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. What'd you think of Zendaya? I thought she was good. She was nice and mysterious, just how Chani should be. 
Yeah, uh, especially in this first half. Um, also, uh, lol that she was only on set for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I, I saw the interview. And she's like, yeah, I was in the desert for like a week. That was about it. I don't know. It was fun, I guess. <laughs> I, Hopefully, I get more to do next time. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she 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 definitely does have a lot more to do in the second half, right? Right, Matt. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Oh, no, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I was just saying I I want to say this again because I I find it it's one of my favorite movie moments of the year. Seeing this movie on a giant IMAX screen, like however big that screen is, like five stories, seeing a five story Zendaya on screen, smiling down at Fantastic, the audience. Fantastic, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, but uh, another thing I'm looking forward to in the second one is who's going to play Fade? Yeah, uh, the guy that Sting played. Oh yeah, you unless know- they just yeah that that'll be interesting. And you know, judging by you know history shows that a singer is usually cast. I mean, uh, Jodorowsky cast Mick Jagger, Lynch cast Sting. Who's going to play him this time? Uh, to think of, like, a major pop star. Okay, how about Harry Styles? He's wrapped up with Marvel. He can't do that no, now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. But they announced that, like, weeks ago. No, they, they didn't announce that. Some, some, okay, I don't want to get, I, I'll talk about, I'll talk about this on the Eternals episode. He's, but, he's was, wrapped up in things. He pops up in the uh, uh, mid-credit sequence, and they reported it as news. Like that's that was a spoiler. People, come on, they don't. I don't, guess whatever. Uh, I'm leaving this in, but spoilers for Eternals. Um, okay, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Who cares? This is something we could talk about because we. I haven't touched. I have touched this. Uh, touched on this. Yeah, with, you gotta cast with the other cast like a pop singer as uh, Fade Rotha. Let's, gotta happen. Let's, let's 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 talk about the future of 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 Dune. Uh, Dune Part Two. Uh, uh, reportedly, or oh, sorry, uh, the rumor is. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Matt. But uh, Barry Kogan uh, is rumored to be uh, that character. I forget. Uh, whoever, oh. whoever Sting plays in the original Dune. Fade. Uh, Fade. Uh, Barry Kogan. Barry who? Uh, you know his face. Uh, he has a punchable face. Um, oh, I hate him. And no, he's not attractive enough no, but, to play Fade. Sorry. But, but does he need to be attractive? Fade is supposed to... Yeah, uh, Fade is, like, a beautiful character. He's, like, the only... Like, in the books, he's described as, like, the only, like, beautiful Harkonnen. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I... That guy's ugly. Uh, okay. You know what? I'm not going to judge anybody's he, appearance, but he is no Sting. I will. He's no Sting. I, and he's no Mick Jagger in the 70s. But... but Sorry. But, okay, but remove attractiveness Ugh. okay listen matt remove attractiveness from Ugh. it remove attractiveness from it i think barry i also just don't like that actor uh okay like at all it's not that you don't like him you don't like that he plays slimy characters okay but, he, but he's a good actor i don't like his face that's the thing <laughs> he's off-putting marcello exactly but don't you want that in a villain like i, I think he'd be a good villain with uh you know I'm trying to going against to timothy shellman in anyway have you what seen, have I seen this guy in Killing Him a Sacred Deer? Nope. Uh, Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. Yes, I've seen. I've seen Dunkirk and the Green Knight. That's it. Yeah, Green. Yeah, he, he's that. That he's done. He's that dickhead in Green Knight who takes away uh, the axe from Green Knight. Yeah, another yeah. movie I don't like. Yeah. So uh, you're a weirdo. So not good. Green not Knight's good. Guy. That guy's a bad actor. Don't like him. Uh, he's he's a good actor. Uh, I, I I'd be happy. Okay, so who plays Baron? Who not not Baron? Who plays uh, the Emperor, Matt? Because that, that 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 needs to be cast in part two. David Lynch. 
<laughs> that would be funny as shit. Um, honestly, so so it's uh, so maybe maybe Defoe. Oh, Defoe would be pretty good uh, as the emperor. That'd be awesome. Uh, actually, so the emperor and the emperor's daughter. Uh, who, uh, who the emperor's does? daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Virginia Madsen played the emperor's daughter in yeah. Witches Dune, right? Yeah. So who's who's gonna be that? And uh, why don't we also Honestly, cast? Uh, why don't we also cast Paul's sister? Like, what what child actor is gonna be Paul's sister? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. There's no one who's famous that's that young. Uh, no one. No, no. I'm sure it'll so. be weird. It'll be weird. It'll be weird if I knew their this this toddler actor's name. <laughs> like, that'll be weird. It'll be a weird thing. So Defoe is your choice for the emperor. Um, yeah, that'd be dope. Who's the emperor's daughter then? What 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 uh, what hot huh. young actress plays the emperor's daughter? <laughs> hot young actress. It has to be hot. It, it has to be Virginia Madsen level. Hot young actress. I don't fucking know who's a who's a hot young actress these days. Um, I'm so out of it, Marcelo. <laughs> how about hey? How about everybody's favorite? Uh, uh, um, uh, how about Anna Armas? Oh, you know what? Yeah, is. sure, Anna Armas. I love that pick. You know what? Uh, I was yeah, gonna, sure. I, I was gonna say, uh, what's her name, Elizabeth Debicki, but no, let's put the armus in there. She's too tall. She's too tall. <laughs> you know, have She's her far too tall. Have her play the emperor then. Have Debicki play the emperor. <laughs> That'd be good. That'll be fun. Uh, wait, did you? Did That'll you, be fun. Did you give me a, a, a your pick for who plays uh, Faye Sting Sting's character? No, no, no. It had to for uh, it had to be a hot. It has to be a hot singer. Who is that? I don't know. I don't know any singers. Not singer. I don't. I don't know. Honestly, you think about that as I wrap up the show. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, I I said. I mean, uh, this episode, my pick would have been Harry Styles, but he's like busy. No, he's not that busy, Matt. He can he can he he, he can do Dune Part Two. Um, and there you go, him. Yeah. So there you go, Harry Styles as sure. that character. Yeah. Do, boom. Done. That character. Boom. Done. Uh, Dune. Boom. <laughs> I think it's a perfect place to end. Matt, thank you. Um, oh, uh, let me ask you this. Any final, final words on Dune, part one? It's great. It's my favorite movie of the year. Oh, there you go. It's awesome. What uh, What did it... It, 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 dethron- it dethroned Pig. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask. What what, uh, what kicked it out? What movie did yeah. it kick out? Pig. Pig is also good. Pig's a good number two. Yes. Um, Pig's yes. great. So we love Pig here. Yeah, this is a pig household as well. Um, <laughs> in, this, yes. in this house, we love pig. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Matt, for coming on. Um, before you go, before we say goodbye, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? You can find me everywhere at the Real Matt C. Uh, I use that name, like I said, literally everywhere. Uh, you can also hear me on my podcast, uh, "Monsters Never Die," that I do with Jacob DeNoble uh, on the Talk Film Society Network, and that's a lot of fun as well uh, yes. we got some fun stuff coming up a uh, new episode is out now uh, I'm actually posting that after I hang up with you Matt um, but yeah, uh, hell yeah by the time this episode's out it'll be out already um, due to technical difficulties it was late uh, oh well what can you do um, alright thanks Matt and thanks to all my guests who were on the show thanks to Sarah and Manish again um, for this extended conversation on the movie Dune. I wanted to capture Dune Fever on the podcast and I finally did it. Um, it's running wild. Yeah, it's running wild. Dune Fever. I, I got it. 
I uh, can't taste or smell anything. I think that's part of the Dune Fever. Can only um, taste that spice. Mm, that spice. Um, and now for my final catchphrase. That was my only disappointment what in is, the movie, by what, the way. What, what, what? That the line, the spice must flow, was not in it. Oh, maybe maybe in the sequel. Do you know, do you know so what? I, it better be the first line of the sequel. Do you know what line I loved from Lynch's Dune that I was disappointed wasn't in this one? Um, the sleeper has awakened. No, not that one. Uh, what's the, the line? Tooth. The line that's in that song. Um, if you walk without rhythm, uh, then you won't attract the worm. See, I oh. I, I love that line because it's it's in that uh, Fat Boy Slim song. Anyway, fucking ridiculous. Um, that's not the catchphrase. I'm gonna end with. I'm gonna end with this. Hey, see you at the movies. No, I never say that. All right, bye. Spice must flow. <laughs>